You're listening to Threshold Radio with Sam Maranto, John Stevenson, and Anthony Kopp. Forbidden archaeology. A portion of what is viewed as national security. Look at these lights going across the road. You can argue about Roswell all you want to, but something happened today. We're just collecting the data. Is we it know there's a debate out there. Government? Is it government? Is it alien? Uh, an object was actually caught on a video. We're dealing with something genuine. This isn't make-believe. Welcome back to Thresholds into Other Realms. With us right now, we have Michael Clean, and today Michael has another special guest with him. How are you doing today, Mike? Hey, John. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on once again. Yes, uh, today we have joining with us Scott Kelly, who is the owner of Ashmore Estates. And outside of a little town called Ashmore in uh, East Central Illinois... And for those of you who don't know, a lot of you probably saw the Ghost Adventures episode, but if you didn't, Ashmore Estates was actually featured on the uh, season premiere of Ghost Adventures this year, so very exciting. It's also going to be featured in a Booth Brothers production, Children of the Grave 2, uh, after many years of production, and that should be out hopefully very soon. Uh, so we're very glad that Scott could join us. And he's going to tell us a little bit about Ashmore Estates and some of the, the strange things that have gone on there over the years. Uh, Scott, uh, how, how have you been lately? I'm doing great, Mike. Good to, good to talk to you again. Great. Uh, for our listeners now, a lot of them may have heard of Ashmore Estates, but they don't know very much about yourself. Uh, can you tell us sort of a little bit about your background, how you got into uh, haunted attractions and what attracted you to the building originally? Well, I've, uh, I've been doing haunted attractions uh, most of my life and we had done a, a haunted attraction at a, an Amish park around here and had about 100 actors at it and the people said that they didn't need our help anymore. So uh, I was looking for another place to hold a haunted attraction. I checked a bunch of different places around this area. It just just to make sure that everybody knows, haunted attraction is like the Halloween haunted house you go to, um, right? And and corn mazes and things of that nature. Uh, but I was looking for a place to hold our haunted attraction, and I tried a bunch of different places, and I wasn't being real successful at finding a place. And I knew about Ashmore Estates, and the thought had crossed my mind years before that 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 would make an awesome haunted house because the place is already really creepy looking and uh, it just has an air about it that that everybody everybody already thought that the place was haunted and and scary so we're better to make a haunted attraction and i was able to purchase it from the person who was owning it oh great and can you give us a little bit of a history of the the building itself uh the building was built in 1960 as the coles county poor farm almshouse mm-hmm. and uh an almshouse is a place where the county was able to do their alms for the poor so uh, it was welfare before there was welfare and it, it housed oh i think we've in discussing it i think we've found that it's housed as many as uh the buildings on the property have housed as many as like 53 people but this one i've heard that it's housed as many as about 40 
and that was that was the intent of this building was it was built to be a place that people could live at uh, who didn't have a way of making a living or people who had mental conditions and didn't have anybody to care for them or they were already not in a in a hospital or something like that uh, and uh, after the the poor farm closed it was uh, a facility for people, I, I would say, for developmental disabilities. Would you think that's an accurate description? Yeah, the, the building was uh, what would have been at the time considered a mental institution and a psychiatric ward or hospital on a small scale, as, as I just found out recently that, that it actually had, a, had been a psychiatric hospital for a little while. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's basically um, in the in the last part of its life, which was as as a mental institution, it was a intermediate care facility for the developmentally disabled or an ICFDD. And those still exist today. They're just a lot smaller than this. This this building was uh, meant to house about 47 people as an ICFDD. They had added on to the, the original building to put in a uh, an elevator and uh, to expand and, and make more rooms. Mm -hmm. So you initially bought this just for a, a Halloween attraction kind of thing, like the funhouse kind of thing, right? That's that's what I do, is I do um, Halloween haunted attractions. And that was the purpose I bought it. I, and when I bought it, I didn't really know that there was a... I really didn't follow the paranormal industry at all. Right. I <laughs> uh, didn't know anything about it. And as soon as I had bought it, I had all these people coming and asking me if they could investigate the place. And I, my spiritual belief doesn't have me believing that the place would be haunted. And I kind of was of the impression that I wasn't going to allow people to do that. But after some soul searching, I figured out that the people who are doing this are just trying to find out what's going on. So mm -hmm. I changed my mind and let, let people come out to do, do uh, paranormal investigations. The place is pretty well known for that. You had no idea when you were buying it that you didn't have to make it haunted. It already was. <laughs> well, it's it uh, it definitely had a had a long term of people believing that the place was haunted, and uh, the, people were here every night. Boys would bring their girlfriends out just to scare them or whatever, and and there was just people here all the time. Oh yeah. Well, when I was at uh, Eastern Illinois University in Charleston, this was before you purchased the building. And I had just heard it was this abandoned insane asylum out in the in the middle of nowhere. That's what everyone told me it was. And uh, so I would go out there and check it out. And naturally, I was curious about the place. So I wanted to find out more about it. But there were all kinds of wild articles about the building in the Daily Eastern News, the college newspaper, where people said that they had found severed pigs' heads in there. There was all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, but there was also a rumor that if you went out there, the owner would come and chase you off with a shotgun. Now, how how did you manage to to buy the building from him? Uh, and what, what, what was the story behind that? I actually, uh, I had heard that uh, you didn't dare go on the property. My way of doing it was I, I looked for who the owner was and found who the owner was, and I went and... Uh, tried to talk to him. My intent originally was to rent the place. I was going to, for my rent, I was tell, I was going to tell him that I'll clean it up. And then after I'm done renting it, he would have a building that was cleaned up. I never could get an answer from him on what it would take to be able to rent the place. And I, but I did hear 
a common theme coming out of things that he was saying, and that was that he was frustrated with the fact that, that people kept on breaking the windows, and he was trying to put new windows in the place, and people kept breaking the windows and kept damaging the place. He'd put windows in one weekend, come back the next weekend, they were all broken. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I heard the frustration, and I offered to buy it from him, and through some negotiation, um, I was able to do that. Oh, great. And so after you bought it, was there any resistance from the community that you encountered? I know that there were some people who just wanted the place to be torn down. Well, there was, uh, there's articles written about uh, the, the guy who runs the health department in the area, the environmental health side, and that his, his belief was the place should just be torn down because it wasn't safe. After we cleaned the place up. I mean, a lot of people felt that the floors were had holes in them uh, that you could fall through the floors. There were stories about people who had who'd fallen and their legs had gone through the floors, you know. But when we cleaned the place up, we didn't find any holes in the floors at all because the floors are all concrete, including the attic. Every floor has concrete on it. The building is still sitting on a foundation that's good and the walls for the most part, are still intact in the shape that they were when they were when they were built. It still, seems very structurally sound. You're it's physically fit yet. You didn't have to really replace anything major then, huh? just cosmetic? No, actually, um, in 2009, we replaced the roof. The, the, big, the one thing that I saw right when I first came here, when I was given permission to come on the property, I came one day, and uh, the next day that I came, it had just been a torrential downpour. And I came right after the rain was done, but the place was soaked inside. The whole entire, everywhere, there was water, everywhere. And I knew that that water, you know, you think about like the Colorado River, what it does to the ground. It, water does the same thing to buildings. And the water, if I didn't stop the water coming into the building, the water would eventually take the building down. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. So my, my biggest thing was I wanted to get a roof on the building. And it took me a couple of years to be able to do that, but now the building's got a new roof on both of the both the new and the old building have new roofs. On the paranormal side, I know you said you don't really believe in that kind of stuff, but you know there's always groups in and out of there. Has anybody found anything that you would consider personally to be credible, something you would believe in, you know, or is you have you not seen anything yourself yet? Well, um, the I just don't believe that it's what people say it is. Okay, that's all. Um, I don't believe that the explanation that's given to it by paranormal investigators is the only possibility. And my own personal beliefs have me, I guess, I guess I'm just a, a massive skeptic, okay? Well, that's good, though. That's actually because some people are just the opposite, the slightest little noise, and they instantly go, oh, my God, it's a ghost. You know, and it's not. you got to use your brain, think things through. Right. And usually I can, I can identify what the source of a noise is at night. You know, I do tours in the building. People come in, and I'll... I'll do tours for minimum five people, and I'll do it at any time. So, except for Sundays, I mean, I've had people come at two o'clock in the morning to do a tour. So, I mean, and the place is like a movie set. So, I mean, people come here because they watch horror movies and they want to go see a place that could be the set of a horror movie. And this is that kind of a place. So, what are the what are the ghosts that people say are in there? I know there's been some. Uh, psychics who have gone through and s- said that there was a specific entity there. But, I mean, generally, what are the, some of the 
personalities that have been placed onto people that have been seen in, in the building? Well, I usually don't answer that kind of question because I feel like that's uh, that takes away... If people are doing a scientific approach to paranormal investigation, you don't want to lead them as to what they'll find or guess what they'll find. Mm-hmm. That's actually um, quite true. So I typically don't tell people about the the spirits that have been found in the building. I will tell you that there are four known spirits, um, and this is... I When I say known spirits, I'm saying... This I'm talking as the people who've come here and giving you what they've told me. Um, we have four known spirits in the building. We have numerous not identified spirits. When I say known, I'm meaning that they've been identified and they have characteristics that many people have found very similar characteristics. Mm-hmm. There's I have I have a couple of people who talk about some spirits. I typically have to have you know four or five people tell me the same thing before I'll relate it as something that I feel like is credible. Right. Um, I'm really not the one judging the credibility, but if multiple people tell me it, then then there's some credibility just in the exactly the, the fact that there's multiple multiple people saying it. You know. That's about yeah, all you it, have to go by, actually, in something like this, you know, unless somebody gets one of those amazing photos. Otherwise, all you can go by is what people tell you. And if, if they all correspond and these people don't all know each other, then you got to think twice about it. Yeah, well, I've, I have had I've had multiple things happen that would have freaked other people out in the building. They've happened to me. But because I don't put it down to being something that's scary or something that's haunted, something that's out of my control, something that'll get me... Since I don't put it down to that, the building doesn't bother me at all. I've had, I've heard footsteps in the building that were clear and concise. I mean, it was, from my point of view, I thought somebody was walking there. I've had, I've, I've heard voices in the building. I heard a lady just, just this last October during the haunted house. I went in there on a Sunday morning to go check a door or something like that and was walking through the first floor and I heard, it sounded like somebody was in a, in a room next to me. I heard a lady, like, speak a sentence. I didn't, couldn't recognize anything that she said. But, it, you know, it's kind of like if you hear somebody in the other room and you're not listening to their conversation. It was like that. It's and kind of convincing, though, if you're the only one in there. That's, I mean, that's not yeah. just the wind. I, I wonder how much our minds play tricks on us, okay? That's true. Um, you know, as a kid... I had my fears about going into my basement. And dang it, if anything that happened while I was in the basement wouldn't get blamed on that fear, you know? Right. right. So I think that we all come to, when we come to Ashmore States, we all come here with our preconceived notions of what things are. And if you come here and you don't have a lot of knowledge about how the world works, then you will assign noises one of your fears you know so I've, I've had a lot of people investigate the building i've had 43 i think 43 investigations as of now since 2006 and i don't have anybody that i know of nobody has told me that they've left here disappointed people all the time tell me that the place is very active now i, I know there's a group there recently from chicago and they came back on Facebook, and we're very excited about all the things that they uh, had captured there. Yeah, well, I had I had a group that uh, came in right after the haunted house had closed. I still had walls up and things like that, and they kind of were expecting to see what they had seen on Ghost Adventures. And in May, when the Ghost Adventures were here, we had 
we had all the walls down and everything in the hallways, so there was a lot of open space. When these people came, there wasn't a lot of open space, and they were pretty disappointed in that and uh, and called me up to vocalize it. I wasn't in town at the time. I had somebody else watching the building. But they were telling me about the displeasure that they had, and when they left, after staying the night in the building, when they left, they told me that, holy cow, that was such an awesome night. So, I mean... None of this is me. I don't do any of this. This is stuff that people see when they go in the building. So I don't have to do any hype about this. All I do is rent the building. No, these right. things hype themselves too, especially with some of these ghost researchers. Not all of them, but some of them, like I say, the slightest amount of noise. And it's instantly a ghost and they, they tend to get all excited and one thing leads to another. Well, you know, if everybody, if, if you had watched the Ghost Adventurer show, in the trailer and in the um, real 42-minute show um zach was sitting in the hallway and he says that he heard a real big bang and he flew backwards in his chair i did find that the room that he said the noise came from part of the ceiling had fallen in that room and it it, it wasn't it wasn't it hadn't fallen before he was there it fell while he was there zach really did get scared by something happening <laughs> in the building the the people now when they had reenactments in the show those were all your actors, correct? They were. From the haunted house. They were. We had. Uh, we have. We have a great group of people who do haunting with us. We have a loyal group of twenty or thirty actors that come back to us every year, and they help us design it. They help us build it. They make props and everything like that. And so we we give them the opportunity to be in anything that's filmed. We asked the ghost adventurers if they needed actors to play the dramatizations, and they said yes. And and uh, when when they left, they told us they'd never had anybody give them that kind of support before. Mm. Uh, but we had like 10 actors and we had a makeup crew here. And so all of the, just about all of the dramatization actors were were the Haunting of Elsinore or Ashmore State's actors. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, they, they, um, they had a lot of fun. And we, we then had a, uh, a large party at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. And we asked them to turn all the TVs on to the show in advance, and we told them we told them we were coming. And yeah. so all all the big screen TVs in the Buffalo Wild Wings were on the show, and it was really fun because there was about a hundred people there watching. Wow, that's great! I I, I wish I could have gone to that. I had a little viewing party of my own, and my living room was packed with people. I think that's that cool. that show got a lot of people excited because finally they came to Illinois. They've done a lot of other states. Uh, for for some reason, they've avoided Illinois until now. And of all the places, they went to Ashmore State. So I think that that's very cool. Well, you know, it's, what's funny is they had actually called me two years before that. I was, they called me in October. They said they were coming through this area and they'd like to stop here. And I told them, you know, I don't know that I can do that because they want to come in on a Friday and Saturday. And I'm like, I've got, I've got my haunted attraction running right now. I can't do that. And they said, no problem. We'll, we'll get in touch with you in the future. And Something that happened that I didn't know about was a cousin of mine is David Schrader. And David Schrader is pretty well known in the paranormal community. He does, uh, he does a radio show also. is his Darkness on the Edge of, of Town. And uh, as a matter of fact, Mike, you and I have been on that. He's good friends with Zach and with Jeff Ballinger. They did Paranormal Challenge together. David Schrader was one of the three people in that. So David had asked them if they would like to come out here, and he, they, he said, I've, I've got a cousin that's got a place, and uh, uh, would you guys like to try it? They called me up, and we made arrangements, and they came out. And it was, um, I think that they are fantastic editors. I think uh, 
Zach is is a genius at the way that he he edits. He he definitely makes a show that people want to watch. Yeah, that's that's certainly true. So so you're happy then with the way the show came out? You thought everything went well? Yeah, for me, I mean, from looking at it from my point of view, I'm looking to to get more people to know about the place, and uh, um, I've had I've had a heck of a lot of people come to investigate because of the Ghost Adventure show. I had three phone calls during the show. I'm sure the TV does wonders. <laughs> yeah. It's such a large audience, and I, I guess they this was uh, episode one of season five, so they've been doing it for a while. They know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. and now this is, th- there's another exciting uh, opportunity for, for Ashmore States to be in a show, right? The, the Booth brothers are finally going to come out with this Children of the Grave 2, and it's going to exclusively feature Ashmore States. Is that is that correct? Um, no, it's not going to exclusively feature us. We've um, Christopher told me that we'd get about thirty minutes of it. Oh, okay. um, it's it's a it's an hour. Well, if you think about Ghost Adventures, they were about forty-two to forty-six minutes. Mm-hmm. So out of an hour show, there's time in there for commercials. And the Booth Brothers shows are usually about an hour and a half long. So out of the, we'll get about a third of the show will be Ashmore Estates. It's called Children of the Grave Two. Uh, you can look up Booth Brothers and Children of the Grave too. There's a lot of hype running around about that right now. The, the Booth Brothers, really nice guys. Uh, Christopher uh, St. Booth and Philip Adrian Booth, both guys are real nice. Kind of, kind of an interesting twist because they look like cowboys, but when they speak, they've got British accents. <laughs> British cowboys, yeah. okay. You don't yeah, see that British very cowboys. Often. <laughs> yes, British cowboys. And uh, they've been here twice, actually. And actually, Philip um, is married to a lady that he met here. Ivana is, um, he met her here uh, the first time that they came. Oh, I, so I didn't realize that before. I, she, she was friends with me on Facebook. For, this is now getting into kind of personal stuff. But she was friends with me on Facebook from my own writing, I guess, that she had, had liked that years ago. And I, I didn't know that she was from Illinois. I thought... They met out in L.A. or something. Actually, I don't think she's from Illinois. I think she's from Missouri. But she had she had liked Ashmore States, and uh, and I guess she was she came out here to be a uh, a helper when they came out here, and that's when Philip and and Ivana met each other. Huh. That's interesting. Well, what what is some of the? I, I know you must have had a lot of people tell you some crazy stories over the years of things that happened to them. What what are some of the most interesting that you've heard? Oh wow, some of the most interesting stories of people. There's so many. I'm sure there is actually. And I and I don't I I don't want to. Problem is that 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 kind of is leading for people who would come in the future. Oh okay, that's understandable. And I have. I don't know why it is, but I just have this break that goes on. Uh, I don't want to talk about that. But we've had, I, I'll tell you, I, we had um, one of my actors was on the third floor. And we were, this was two or three years ago. And he was trying to fix a switch on a prop that shot air at people's feet. We have about 65 actors in the building. We had at that time about 65 actors in the building. And he noticed that somebody was standing next to him. He saw their feet. You know, he's looking down and he saw their feet. And so he looked back at the switch, was playing with it a little more, looked back and the feet were gone. And he turned all the way around and there was nobody around him. And he just absolutely freaked. And he was on the third floor. He had to go across the building and down the stairway on the other side to come out to us. And he was visibly shaken. 
I've seen that happen to a number of people. The night that the Booth brothers were here doing an investigation, we had a group, um, International or ISPI, Julie Velasquez's group was here. And there was a lady named Sherry that was here. And she was walking down the first floor hallway and she saw my cat come out of one of the side rooms and she wasn't really paying much attention to the cat. She was looking at something else. And, but she, she did look at the cat and saw the cat was looking back up at the doorway that the cat had just come out of. When she looked at the doorway, somebody bent out and looked right at her. Mm-hmm. And she was, when she came upstairs, she was vis- visibly shaken. I've heard people say that person looked white as a ghost. Well, she actually did. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I want to get out that way. I told Mike before I'd love to go out there and check that place out. We could even record live for the radio if I make it out there too. Well, that would be, we could do something like that. If I can get Mike, Mike's afraid of this kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, if you're talking about Mike clean, he's not afraid of this building. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm always kidding, Mike. <laughs> well, I will say though you know some of the times when i've been in there by myself i i was always kind of weary to go up on the third floor i always got an unnerving feeling up there well i've got people who have certain places in the building that numerous people have told me there's a couple places in the building that would be considered hot spots i do have some groups that come here and ask me where are the hot spots and i go back to my breaks go on and i well, yeah it's, I won't it's much them. better not to t- tell them i mean i i wouldn't right. want to know myself if i went there to investigate that I don't want you to tell me what's hot and what's not. I want to go there myself and find out. Well, maybe if I was a paranormal investigator, maybe my mind would be different. Maybe I would want more people to see the same things. I would rather have people see what they see without being told what they're going to see. Exactly. No preconceptions. You, don't, you know, if you say the third floor closet over there is a hot spot, well, people are automatically going to think they're going to see things there. Right. And I, like I said, I, I have, I have seen things in the building. I've heard things. I've heard, I've heard voice twice, both times it was female, not necessarily talking to me, but there's, there is YouTube videos you can see of what people have put up about Ashmore States. And there's, like I said, there's 43 groups that have come out here. So there's lots of people who've investigated here. And as far as I know, everybody's been real happy with it. I'm definitely going to have to check it out, Mike. We're going to have to go up there and we'll record for the show. Sure. Too. Well, let's talk about the haunted attraction. What kind of themes have you done? And are you planning on a new theme this year? I know every sure. year you try to do something different. We do, we do. We've uh, 2006, the first year. You were there. Actually, I got you. You recorded the thing for it. you're the only one who uh, video yeah. recorded it. I appreciate that. The uh, the first year we were Ashmore State's asylum because everybody believed that Ashmore State's had been an, an insane asylum, which is not really part of its history. It was a mental institution, but not an insane asylum. There is quite a difference between the two. This building, after it was a poor farm almshouse, this building then became basically a care facility for people with mental disabilities. Insane Asylum is the kind of place you'd put like Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> right. Okay. So it's it an insane asylum is a place that you keep people when you don't want them to get out in the community because they would harm the community. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Ashmore Estates was never that kind of a building. So but but we we like to run on our haunted attractions, you know, they obviously are not real so we like to pick up on the themes that people think so the first year we were ashmore state's asylum the second year in 2007 we were undertaker's laboratories which was we had a storyline about a strain of corn that was killing people 
That and, sounds uh, it was, interesting. It was, yeah, it was the laboratory that was creating the strain of corn. Then 2008, we were Macabre Manor. 2009, we were Circus Sanatorium. Anybody like clowns? Actually, yeah, a lot of people are afraid of clowns. I found that out actually talking on the radio. Oh, yeah. There's lots, lots of people are really scared of clowns. And, uh, and our clowns were not necessarily very nice. <laughs> and we've, we've, from that, we've got one actor who's, uh, who's Dr. Gnarls. And Do- Dr. Gnarls has become an institution here. So he's in every year from then on. Uh, like my character is the Spookmeister. And the Spookmeister has been at every one of the haunted houses and will continue to be there. He's kind of like the ringmaster, you know. Then uh, in 2010, we were No Mercy General Hospital. 2011, <laughs> we were... Gosh, we just did that. I'm trying to remember what we called it. <laughs> well, that's, that's okay. Well, that's good. You guys that's are creative too. Every year is different, rather than just doing the same thing over and over and over. Yeah. Well, what are, what are your plans for this year? Give me a second. I'm looking <laughs> up what we were. We were Ashmore State's Institute of Undead. Oh, that's right. And I and like when we did um, when we did Circus Sanatorium when we when we came up with Doctor Gnarls that we had a we had a place called Gnarl Clinic and our. Uh, in this, uh, we we try to pick on one of the local businesses here, and we make them some port part of our haunt. <laughs> so, um, in in our area, there's a place that's called Carl Clinic. So we had Naro Clinic last year. We were A E I O U Ashmore State's Institute of Undead, and around here we have E I U, which Mike went to, yeah, which is Eastern Illinois University. And so we we took out of that the E I U from A E I O U, and uh, so we were picking on E I U. Well, I'm sure they appreciated that. Yes, of course they did. Have Have you noticed? Obviously, you probably don't ask everybody, but do you, do you notice a lot of students coming to the haunted house, or is it mainly just locals um you know i think that our mainstay demographic is the locals they're the ones who come and people come from they're, they're not necessarily all local we get people from we're in central illinois we're the largest haunted house in central illinois we get people from st louis Terre Haute, indianapolis and chicago and anywhere in between joliet kankakee and uh, i guess even rockford Oh yeah, I'm sure. Well, you get sounds like you got an amazing haunted house there, though. I mean, what you said, sixty actors or so. This this isn't just no, one of those normal ones, right? This is well, Ashmore Estates is is fifteen thousand square feet. That's a big building, and it's three floors. You don't want to come here if you're in a wheelchair because we don't have wheelchair access. You do stairs in our haunted house. You have to walk up to the third floor and walk down from the third floor and do the second floor in between, you know? Yeah, unfortunately, so, someone smashed the elevator a long time ago. Well, the, the elevator, people took everything out of the building, so there's no, there's no copper wiring in the building or anything like that. It was all stolen from the building. I know there was a lot of illicit graffiti, too, that uh, had to be painted over when you moved in there. There is, and we, and we had an outstanding graphic artist that came in, and he did a number of awesome murals in our building and you can see some of those murals on our website ashmoreestates.net now i know you had other events there what what other kind of events you got flashlight tours you had some overnight things right right and uh, actually i'm i'm in the process of working on uh, on a i'm putting together a documentary on the history of the building Mm-hmm. And just yesterday, talked to a group that had done a music video in the building, and I was asking them if they would like to score the documentary. So, uh, group's name was Rec W R E C K E D, 
and Recht actually wrote a song for Ashmore Estates, and it's called Mind's Eye. And they are from Chicago, right? They're from Chicago, and they're a heavy metal band. And um, the song that they did inside of Ashmore Estates is Enemy. You can Google that also, Recht and Enemy, and you will find the video that they did on at Ashmore Estates. Uh, um, my my totally unbiased opinion of this documentary is that it's going to be really good. Uh, the, yeah, well, the I know the writer. The documentary, yeah, is is excellent. <laughs> did you write it, Mike? <laughs> yeah, I, I did. <laughs> Somehow I got that feeling. <laughs> yeah, Mike and I just met a couple of days ago to talk about it. Yeah, it's going to be a great project, uh, and I think hopefully. Now that all this attention has been brought to the place by Ghost Adventures and by the Booth Brothers and uh, other interviews like with our radio show, I, I think this year is going to be a banner year for the Haunted House. It should be too. Plus, I, I definitely plan on going out there. You're coming with well, me. Good. We're going to do a we'll do a recording out there, a live show or something. Yeah, you should uh, uh, do a road trip. Come out here. So yeah, I'm definitely. Like, I'd like to make it in uh, Halloween time too when you have your uh, Haunted House going. Yeah, now during during Halloween, it's hard to get in here to do paranormal investigation. Well, no, I don't mean for an investigation. I mean just right. as a patron to come by and see your haunted house. Right. Well, we we uh, we have a lot of people who come out uh, the last weekend of the last weekend before Halloween is usually our busiest weekend. Well, we had uh, last October. I did a haunted tour down in Coles County, and we stopped by Ashmore States. I think we had about seventy people. And uh, Scott, of course, is as gracious as always with telling everyone about the building and the history and the stories and stuff like that. So it's always a good time when you go there. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. I mean, there's a lot of stories, and I mean, I do tell people about the spirits during tours. But since this is a paranormal radio okay. show, I'd rather not mention well, actually, it. On. It's just fully understandable. Plus, it piques their interest. Now, people, yeah, you just want to tease to go there tease now. Them. <laughs> Well, like like I said, there there are four recurring themes as, as far as who might be spirits in the building, and we do have visual pleasure for people, and we have uh, we have sensory pleasure. I mean, we've got one of the spirits touches people. That's always. And I actually to actually that. had I actually had a uh, sheriff who was working for us, you know, doing security for us um, in 2010, and on Halloween night he felt somebody. He felt a hand on his back, and he was wearing a Kevlar vest. Okay, <laughs> that's a bulletproof vest, and you know you wouldn't you feel, feel a hand even if somebody touched you. You wouldn't feel a hand; you'd feel pressure on the vest. This was a hand on his back. Wow! So, so has that officer been back to do that duty there since oh, yeah. that day? <laughs> yeah, and he—I mean, he'll—he'll he'll talk about it. He doesn't have a problem with talking. Well, there's about some it. people actually do that; they enjoy it. But if something like that happens, they actually don't ever want to go back. Well, this guy's, I mean, this guy is, if I ever had a problem, I want, if I ever had a problem and I needed a police officer, I want this guy there. Oh, there you go. Well, John, do you have any other questions for our guest? Oh, not really. I mean, I've never been there myself, but I definitely want to go there. I do a little bit of research myself because I do paranormal research too. I'm not just the the host in the show. So I I want to go there firsthand and check it out myself. Well, one other thing that we do that that we haven't talked about at all is um, we have had... We, we do a thing called Night of Insanity, and we allow people to, for a price, come out and spend the night in the building. And we actually, didn't we have you speak one time, Mike? You did. I think it was the very first time that you you did the event. I spoke. Right, 
Right. And, um, and my whole idea with the preparation, uh, the things that people see was, you know, we, we played white noise, I think that night and we had Mike speak. The whole idea was to get people psyched about spending the night in the building. And we've done that a number of times. And I think I'm going to start doing that again. But if people have an interest to do that kind of thing, they just need to let me know. Uh, you can find us, you can find out what we do on the website, ashmorestates.net. And, and it's not the .com because the .com goes to a real estate company in Europe. So it's ashmorestates.net. Yeah, I definitely encourage all our listeners to go check that out. And if you're in the area, come out and, and visit the place because it's, it's great. It's a good time. Well, make sure you let people know that I'd like them to call me before they come on the property. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's right. Well, I, because I you own a gun to the haunted too. house. <laughs> right. We, well, we, we have people visit the place all the time. It's just I like to know that people are coming. When I first came here, the building had lots of people coming here all the time. And this is private property. And it's not okay to just walk on the property and, and walk around and film or take right. pictures. Not on the property. You can do it from the street, but not on the property. And so I don't necessarily... I'm sure there's some people out there that don't feel like I've been very nice to them. But if you want to come to the property and, and actually take part in it, you need to give me a call. Well, that's only right, you, too. I mean, it's your it's your place. Right, right. And, and some people don't understand that. Some people feel like it's just, some people don't realize that it is owned by a person. Some people think that it is just an abandoned building, and it's far from that. A mm -hmm. building's never just abandoned. Somebody always owns it. That's very true. But a lot of people didn't realize that. There is something that I found out from a lot of the police officers here and from farmers that used to happen back in the days when Mike used to go in there. The police officers would park their cars behind the building because people were always out here mm -hmm. and it wasn't okay for them to be out here. So the police would park their cars behind the building and they'd go into the building and they'd wait for people to come in and they'd, the police officers would have picked up like a pipe off the floor or something like a piece, piece of brick or something and they'd chuck it down the hallway towards the door where the people are coming in and people would fly out of the place. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and uh, it, it happened quite a bit and uh, I think that it, it helped to create some of the aura that is Ashmore State. Oh, I'm sure. Well, Scott, uh, I appreciate you coming on and sharing everything with us. Uh, it was very, very interesting, as always. And I hope people go and check out the, the website, ashmorestates.net. And we'll put a link up on our site, too. And it was really great talking with you. Thanks, John. I appreciate you, you inviting me on. All right. That was Scott and Michael Clean. We'll be right back. You're listening to Threshold Radio. TheEdgeOnAir.com and Thresholds into Other Realms present Thresholds Radio, a weekly show dedicated to all things paranormal. Join your hosts Sam Moranto, John Stevenson, and Anthony Cop Fridays from 10 to 11 p.m. for an expedition beyond your most unexplainable dreams. With new guests every week, Thresholds Radio will bend your views on reality. That's Friday nights 10 to 11 on TheEdgeOnAir.com. For more info on Thresholds Radio, visit UFO-Info. Hi everybody, this is Jeff Mudgett, the author of Bloodstain. I'll be at the bookseller on February 15th, 4736 North Lincoln Avenue. Come on in, shake my hand, get a signed book. Who knows, you just might be introducing yourself to the great-great-grandson of Jack the Ripper. 
You're listening to Thresholds Into Other Realms. I'm Anthony Kay. With me is Sam Moranto and John Stevenson. Right now we have Carl Jones from Prairie Land Paranormal, Springfield, Illinois, on the phone with us right now. How you doing, Carl? Good. Thanks for having me on. You're uh, you're the same like me. You're a paranormal or researcher is what I prefer to call myself. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I've been doing this for about 18 years and uh, just have a blast. I mean, it's just a passion of mine. Um, it it's it started when I was a kid. Had an experience when I was a teenager, and it's just left a lot of questions, unanswered questions in my in my mind, and I just started out wanting to try to find answers to this stuff and instead you're finding more questions oh my goodness yeah. <laughs> it's continual but that's what keeps it interesting you know that's that's what keeps this drive going you know we're trying to trying to figure out answers to these unusual things and uh and and that that's kind of why i started this uh discussion group down here and we, Your group's we, where? You're at uh, Lincoln Land College, or is that where it was? Yeah, Lincoln Land Community College. It's where I work. Um, i actually been working there for 30 years, believe it or not. My uh, time flies, huh? <laughs> well over half my life, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I've been working there and then uh, and uh, started the group up. I actually teach a class on the paranormal. I have a, uh, it's a community learning class, and uh, I have two levels basically level one's like a a 101 it's like introduction to all things paranormal and we talk about ghosts and we talk about the unexplained and we talk about bigfoot and ufos and all different kinds of things like that well that's good to cover the whole gamut because some people are so narrow-minded they'll only talk about ghosts that's it yeah 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 we we talk mostly about ghosts but in the last portion we have uh we have a Bigfoot uh, speaker that comes in, and we also have UFO speakers that come in. And uh, I like having guest speakers. Uh, Mike Clean's come a couple of times. Uh, Stan Courtney, the Bigfoot researcher in this yeah, we've area. we've had both of them on. Michael's a regular on our show, but we've had Stan on, I think, three or four times, too. Yeah, it's it's great, and the, the students really seem to be to love it, and I love it. And of course, I can sit and listen to that stuff all the time. What kind of turnout do you get? Oh, we, we get pretty good turnout. We uh, in in our class would it ranges anywhere from about ten usually to I've had up to thirty two people in a class at any given time. And how often do you have these? Well, the classes that my classes that I teach actually are run. I have an, another class I just got finished with a level one, and uh, we've got another level one coming up in April. And then we have a level two coming up in May, which is in the level two, I actually take them out to a haunted location and they get to do an investigation, which is, that's a what, lot of fun. What a cool idea. I've had people ask me numerous times if I, if I teach classes or if I teach people how to do it, but I've actually never known how to go about that, but I've been asked that too. You might, you might check and see if there's a community college in your area and uh, throw it out there. You know, they're always... They are is looking for for uh, community learning, especially the ones that reach out to the communities. Right. It's it's been pretty positive for me. So and you're how long have you been doing paranormal then? Since you were a teenager, you said. Yeah, well, for about 18 years. Um, I first started out just going to some places with some friends and checking out, you know, kind of going to some um, places that were reported to be haunted and. 
And I went to Springfield High School, which is also reported to be haunted. Um, mm. That place is kind of creepy at, at, in the evening. But then I, I, my, my, well, I had an experience when I was a teenager in Springfield. My parents liked to collect antiques. And uh, one day my dad brought home this old antique trunk. Um, it kind of looked like a treasure chest. Uh-huh. And uh, there was something that was attached to that. And uh, all kinds of crazy things started happening in our house. Um, lights coming off and on. Appliances coming off and on. Those are uh, the good ones because they're kind of hard to deny. <laughs> oh, crazy stuff. Um, and uh, TV would come on by itself. Radios would come on full blast. We had one of those handheld blow dryers in our bathroom. It was constantly turning on by itself. And we'd get to where we'd go in and unplug it. And then uh, we'd go, 10 minutes later, it'd come popping on. Some, it had gotten plugged back in somehow. So. Okay, now, now that's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was pretty odd. And then we started hearing very loud footsteps coming up the stairs. Um, we kept this thing in our basement. And that was kind of, my mom finally said, she, she was the smart one. She put two and two together and said, none of this stuff started happening until we, you brought that trunk home. And uh, she said, I think something may be attached to that. Um, I'm not sleeping another night in the house if you've got that thing in here. So we wound up putting it outside for a couple nights, and uh, nothing happened. Because we'd lived in the house for several years and nothing, you know. And all of a sudden this stuff just all, what was the timetable? How long did you have it in there before you realized? uh... Oh, it was probably, I'm saying maybe three or four weeks. Hmm. And just progressively throughout the day, she was home. I was at, at school during the day. My dad worked, and she was at home with this thing all the time. And she had a lot more experiences than any of us. Oh, I'm sure. But the footsteps my dad actually heard, he was actually in the shower, and he felt the vibration of somebody coming up the steps in the shower. And he comes storming out of the shower, and he says, what the heck, you know, what... Who is that stomping up the steps? My mom says, I don't know. Nobody opened the door and came in. So he throws the door open, and there's nobody there. And he goes downstairs and looks, and there's nobody there. And uh, so, I mean, it was was odd things. Yeah, that's a pretty good thing to have happen in your own home. There's no (laughs) denying that one. No, no. And and so we didn't want it to it, it was uh, summertime we didn't want it to get rained on so we wound up taking it to my grandmother's garage and put it in her garage <laughs> detached her, garage i hope it was a detached garage okay. <laughs> and uh we didn't find out till later um we kind of told her that something strange was with this thing we didn't tell her till later you know all the stuff that happened to us but she also told us that she heard noises out in the garage um and the lights, lights would turn on out there by themselves. Huh. And finally, uh, we got rid of it. Some, we, my dad found some people that wanted this. We kind of told them that, that, you know, that may be haunted. There's something yeah, strange that, going That brought on. the value up. Well, these people came and got it. It was a younger couple, and they had some small children. And they came in a pickup truck and hauled this thing out. And apparently they put it in there downstairs also. Uh-huh couple nights after they had it uh it was a it was a, a friends of a guy that my dad works with and he came down and he said you know that couple that bought that trunk 
My dad says, yeah. He goes, well, they had uh, shut the lights off in their house the other night and packed the kids in the car, and they were backing out of the driveway, and the lights came on in their house. Whoa. And then about two nights later, he comes back. He says, you know, he says, uh, the other night they all went to bed and uh, turned out the lights, and they heard footsteps coming up their stairs. And that's the last thing we heard on that thing. Oh, you should have kept that somewhere, put it in a storage unit or something. <laughs> I'm sure John Zaffis would love to have that. You could rent that thing out. By this time, he may have it in his uh, his wide collection of haunted objects. I don't know. But well, some. I mean, what's your view on that? I mean, why 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 do you think something like that happens? It, you know, the, it's the person that used to own it, or the item itself, or what's your theory on that? Well, you know, John, I wondered that for years, and I have no idea why spirits would attach themselves to particular objects but i'll tell you what i ran into recently uh, not too long ago we were investigating the elijah isles home in springfield it's mm -hmm. actually the, it's the oldest home in springfield and uh up the top of the steps at the elijah isles home there was a little small room and inside that room was several of these trunks that looked just like it kind of gave me the creeps right away because I saw this thought, oh. a few of them my god <laughs> yeah there was like there was like four of them and they were in there in this little room and kind of creeped me out because I you know they looked exactly like the kind of trunk that that, that we had and uh, so I went downstairs and I asked the woman there why why they had she had all these trunks in this in this room and she said well I'll tell you she said those trunks came from the convent and they belonged to nuns and this is where the nuns were allowed to keep all their worldly possessions this is the only thing that they could have to keep everything they owned because when they become a nun they basically give up everything for God Right. so the only thing they were allowed to keep were kept inside of these trunks and they had maybe clothes in there, maybe photos in there books Anything they wanted of, of earthly possessions, they kept in there. So it made me think, you know, hey, maybe that's where this came from. Maybe there was a strong connection. You know, if that's where you, all your earthly possessions were at one time, maybe it's that's true. why you'd want to stay with it. Or being with me being from the Chicago area, first thing I think of is somebody was killed and shoved in the trunk. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> we that, that thought has crossed my mind, too. But I would hope that, that uh, whatever spirit was stuffed in that trunk, it'd be ashamed if he was following that around wherever it went instead of, you know, going to some place that he felt more comfortable. But. Yeah, how, how about that? What do you think? I'm, I'm not sure, like the Velisca X murderer house, where the children and everyone are still there. Well, you That's know, why in heaven's name are they there? I, you know, I really don't know, unless they just don't know that they're dead. But I would think, since it was, you know, that took place in what, the early 1900s? Yeah, so 1912 or something like that. Yeah, I would hope that by that time they would kind of figure out that <laughs> something was not well, I always heard that real tragic death sometimes, the people just stay there because they just can't accept that they're gone, too. But, you know, there's, there's no right or wrong answer when it comes to this kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it amazes me. You know, I'm not much of one, and I, I tell my class this too, that I'm not much of a cemetery investigator. Uh-huh. Um, 
because I I just kind of it's just for personal reasons I just kind of think of it as being kind of sacred ground so I don't right. get in there and mess around. Plus you can get arrested if you go. Yeah, quite out. a few of them, yes. <laughs> but uh, I I always said I don't I don't understand why you why spirits would want to hang out in a cemetery because I would think you know if if when I die, I'm not going to hang out in a cemetery if I decide to become a ghost. I'm going to go hang out in some place where I was most happy. Well, that's what I tell people, too, when they ask the best place to find a ghost. I go, there aren't any, really. You can you can find them in the movie theater. You can find them in the mall. You can find them at the car dealership, wherever they just want to be. There's, right. You know, they don't have to be, but everyone thinks it's graveyard. But then, uh, you know, my, I'm, my claim to fame is Bachelor's Grove graveyard which then again that's an exception to the rule because that's just a incredibly haunted graveyard it, it it makes you wonder you know could it be that that ground was haunted before they put the cemetery there like well the Vetcher's grove they believe is because of the desecration it was i think it started in the 50s where uh, every tombstone was just ripped apart broken and stolen there's only about a dozen there out of 200 original stones yeah that's a shame uh that's I hate to see that, you know, because it gives ghost hunters a bad name quite often. When, when oftentimes it's just teenagers going out there and goofing off. But. Tell you something like that, though, it because people always ask, "Can ghosts hurt you and stuff?" Well, there are cases where you have, but it's so rare because Bachelors Grove is a perfect example. Now, if a kids are going to go in there at night and break your tombstone, if you have the ability to actually interact with them or hit them, that place would be full of dead teenagers. <laughs> yes. Well, you know what I mean. So I mean, it shows yeah. they can't. That you know, they can very rarely reach out. Actually. Right. Right. It's it's it is pretty rare to hear that. I mean, you do hear of it, um, people getting scratched and people getting shoved and stuff like that. But it is it is a pretty rare event. I had that happen at uh, what was it uh, Waverly Hills in Kentucky. I actually got physically hit twice in. Uh, my friend that was with me, his camera, his camera and tripod got lifted out of his hand and cracked him in the forehead. Oh, my. And, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, there's some physical contact there. Wow, yeah, that 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 is wild. Was that was that up on the third, was it the third floor that's really haunted? Or? Uh, I haven't had the pleasure of going to uh, Waverly Hills. The way you want to, well, actually get a hold of me we'll do it what it is is it's a thousand bucks to privately rent it at night don't go with the group actually do it and if we get four six people together or something you know we can split that and actually have the entire building ourselves that's the way to go that's how i did it i had 10 people and we rented the entire building oh that's cool you know because you don't want to go with the group where you're following a tour i mean it's nothing more than disneyland at night basically that way that place is so huge uh that Probably ten people you wouldn't even see, you know. Well, y'all kind of there. Do. You go. Now, now we, we almost think that there's some interdimensional thing there because now that you mention it, we were there for eight hours, and we were in little groups walking around, and we uh-huh. did not run across anyone else for the entire time. It's like where are people at? <laughs> kind of eerie too. I would. Oh, imagine. very eerie because you know I, I'm a monster uh, movie freak too, not just paranormal. And I know when people pair off, you're doomed. There's just no doubt about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's never a good idea to investigate by yourself. You know, I always say at least go in groups of two. Well, um, if not, not even for the safety factor, but for a uh, 
a backup, someone to actually verify what you see, too. That's an important reason. Absolutely, yes. Because you can have the coolest thing in the world happen to you, and if nobody's around you and you don't have your camera ready or nothing, it's not nothing. But if you got somebody with you and they see it, well, that's a completely different story. That is true. That is true. And, and you know, it's, it's odd with the... With the uh... With the paranormal, you know, one one thing about the paranormal is there really isn't a constant with it. Correct. You know, it, it, it's like it, it it could be so elusive and and trickster like at times. I mean, you could you could set up a camera, a wide angle camera, to pretty much cover the entire room that you're in, except for maybe two foot, and it seems like all the paranormal activity will take place in that. Two foot that you don't have the camera well, in. I, you know, I believe that they could. They know what you're doing, and they like to screw with you. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that is the case sometimes. I actually had like well, actually at Waverly Hills again. I had one of my uh, high-end Bosch cameras. Those are the ones that see in total darkness with no IR emitters. You know, so there's no nothing to reflect off an IR to give a false image. And uh, we had some. I don't even know how to describe it. Came right through the wall. Started flying around and went back through and then shot back through a solid wall. Oh, it's most. Yeah, about the size of uh, I don't know, like it started out small, like a, like a, almost like the size of a cigarette and it ended up being about the size of uh, like a large bird like a falcon or something. I mean, it was just the strangest thing, but it shot through the wall it looked like a cigarette. That's wild. Yeah, that's only that's the best thing I ever got in video, and that was in a total dark room with no IR emitters, and that's the way you want to go because IR emitters can play with you too. You can have a mosquito fly in front of that and it looks like a monster. <laughs> yes, yes, you can. So, what what would be your uh, most memorable thing that you've gone on? Oh boy, um, so so many things. Uh, wait. Some of the most interesting uh, things. There's a couple. There was a um, one of them. I was uh, at a house and uh, actually saw uh, these people. Uh, two people that were on the investigation. Two two uh, women. They come running out of this back room of this place, and they're going run. It doesn't want us in here. Run. And I was watching one of them go down the hallway, and I actually saw them get shoved. I mean, I seen her body just jerking forward, huh? From the yes, and I'm like, wow. I'm just kind of standing in this other room, and they come running into it, and I saw her get shoved two times, and it was from her back, and she stopped, and she goes, something just shoved me. And she lifted up the back of her shirt, and there was a handprint on the back, on her back. It, it was a red handprint where it had hit her so hard that it left an impression. That's cool. That's the kind of stuff I like with physical. Did you guys get a camera? Or did you have a camera by any chance to be we, able to get a picture? We, we didn't have any video cameras set up in there. We, as, as a matter of fact, we had just kind of started investigating. And the, one of the women uh, that was there, she was a sensitive, um, you know, had some psychic uh, ability. And she's the one who said, who was saying, you know, let's get out of here. It don't want us in here. Let's just go. And they were coming up the hallway, and that's when it happened. And it was pretty amazing. Pretty, we took a picture of it, and 
and it was a, just a handprint right in the middle of her uh, kind of the, her upper back and there was no way she could have put her own hand up there and done it herself well if you saw it happen too i mean if you saw her fling forward yes or, you know. yes i did yeah and uh you know that was kind of that was kind of frightening you know they're they're sometimes not always that frightening but but that that was kind of an odd one um i was at a house in sherman illinois um it's kind of just north of springfield and uh, we were doing an investigation at this house that had a lot of activity and i was sitting upstairs in the living room um just kind of uh we had our evp uh our recorders running and uh i just happened to glance over it was one of those uh houses that you walk into a little foyer it was like a tri-level house and you can either go upstairs or you could go downstairs right and i kind of looked down in that foyer area and i saw a head going down the stairs that was just a head no no body huh no body it was just like just a head and it 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 was like it was it was at the level that a head would be you know if right. a person standing there and it just kind of slowly descended down the stairs and that's like kind of one of those you do those double take you know you're like what did i just see that yeah and you doubt yourself I, that's how it is too yeah of course i go running over there and and by the time i get there there's nothing but uh yeah i mean those are those are two memorable things that uh that i could think of right offhand that house was strange because we had a. We even uh, wound up going back there to do an investigation with a live uh, radio uh, program that's here in Springfield, mm-hmm. and uh, they were there live, and we were doing these things with. Uh, we were at the time we were using uh, dowsing rods, right? And uh, I was showing them how they worked, and we had these things going. I mean, these things in this house would go absolutely haywire. They would. We had them spinning like a helicopter. I, I, I'm going to ask you something about that when you're done. Remind me. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one was going one way and one was going the opposite direction. And they were just spinning like crazy. And they were doing it to me. They were doing it to the people I handed them to. And uh, But one of the most interesting things that I've, I, I, and to this day, still the strangest thing I've had happen with dowsing rods is it felt like they just stopped all of a sudden. And they were pointing forward, and it felt like somebody um, had taken their fingers and put them on the tips of the dowsing rods, and pushed them down, and then let go of them. Okay. It was a, it was a flicking, like they were flicking them, and that happened like three times. And very odd. And it happened to uh, one of the radio announcers, and the boy it totally freaked him out. Well, that's always good when you get the press interactive. Yeah, it's it always good. <laughs> It, it was great at the at the Chicago Ghost Conference this year. Uh, I, the booth next to me, I, I actually don't recall their name, but they had dowsing rods, and we were just, you know, it gets you kind of get bored after sitting there all day. And my aunt grabbed the dowsing rods and asked them what they do, and she holds them, and they moved a little bit, and I pick them up, and they start spinning like helicopters. <laughs> and I mean, I'm talking where I thought they were going to take off, and the look, the expression on their face, I'm like, what's that mean when it does that? They're like. We've never seen it do that before. <laughs> oh wow! Then I set them down and I just pick one up in one hand and hold it out, and it, it starts spinning so fast it almost took off of my hand. I was going to ask you, you uh, you've seen that before? Then you have any yes. theory on what in heaven's name that is? I have no idea because this is about the only place 
that I've ever had that happen. I mean, I've I've gotten I can usually use dowsing rods fine. Now I I do know that some people can use them and some people can't. Yeah, like, that's the first uh, I've ever actually used the things, and like I said, they friend, just took our off. Our friend Roberta uh, Roberta Van Hus, she right. she's one that cannot use them because she can make them move. Actually, I can hold them out, and she could she could say, "Okay, now move," and she can like just point at them, and they'll move. Hmm. So I mean, but she also has some. Uh, she has a little bit of psychic uh, psychic abilities, but she says I can't use them because I can I can actually make them move. I didn't but, know what it was. I was actually having fun with it. I mean, people that, kept walking up. I'm like, watch. I just pick them up and zoom. <laughs> they were just taken off. Well, you, you may very well may very well be one of those people that you know just can't use them because maybe there's something. You know, scientists still don't know why these things work. Well, I know yeah. from plumbing actually. I mean, from ages ago, a friend of mine, his dad was a plumber, and his dad's dad was a plumber, and uh, dowsing rods were used for finding water. Yes. And that's what I knew him for. That's actually what I was saying before I touched them. I was kind of making fun of these. Like, oh, you use these for water. You know, I pick them up and they start flying. I'm like, wow, there must be water all over this building. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, they say that you can actually use them for anything that you're trying to find. Some people uh, say that you can find lost keys hmm. or, you know, if you drop something in your yard, you can. And a lot of people say, they, you know, they really do work. And it's all about intent. It's right. like they work off of the body's, uh, I don't know what you say, call it, vibrations or whatever. You know, it's like almost like it, it's, it uses your body's vibrations to give a signal somehow. And it's very odd. I don't know. The only time I've had seen them spinning like that was at a very, that, that house where a lot of activity was. Mm-hmm. Um, I've ha- I haven't had them do that really since then, but... Uh, nor have I ever run into that flicking, um, the flicking of the ends of them like that before. But uh, it's, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what makes those things work. Now, I always stick them inside of a, um, like a sleeve of some sort, like even if right. it's a, if a straw or anything where there's not actual, so they can flow freely, uh, you know, back and forth. So I'm not actually touching the handles. You know, so they can just move on their own. Yeah, the ones I was using had, like, little sleeves on them. And there was people actually watching me and making sure, because, you know, you can move your hands a tiny bit and make them start to move. But, I mean, yes. my, my hands were not moving at all. And these things were flying, I mean, to the point where they were going so fast you couldn't actually see them. <laughs> That's great. So I say if I, I had a couple of those or some little wings on them, I could have my own personal gyrocopter. <laughs> Maybe if you put some little, uh, attach some little fan blades on there, you can have your own fan in the summertime. There you go. <laughs> I thought it was funny, but I think it's because I was making fun of them, though. But I'm actually one of those people that's kind of a, how would you put it, like a paranormal magnet. I can go anywhere and something happens. It's just, I, I have that knack. <laughs> Sounds like my cousin, Laura. They call her the ghost magnet. Yeah, so, there you go. So, so that, that's kind of like, yeah, maybe you're one of those kind of people that just attract different kinds of energies to you. you well, I know? went to the, the Congress Hotel in Chicago, which is known to be haunted, and uh, got a picture there, came back and looked at it, and there's a shadow person, you and I were discussing this off-air the other day, that looks like Alfred Hitchcock's profile on the old Alfred Hitchcock show. Yeah, yeah. And, and the guy with me, Adam uh, Seltzer, he was my guy, but yet he didn't really believe in everything, and he was determined it wasn't. Well, they spent like three months on this photo trying to 
debunk it. They had uh, Troy Taylor out here and all kinds of people trying to figure out, you know, to recreate it. And after like about a three-month period, uh, Adam gets back with me and he goes, it pains me to have to tell you that. Uh, congratulations, that's an amazing picture. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, they were they were trying hard to debunk that thing, huh? Yeah, well, that's what I do. I try to debunk everything in my own stuff. Not, right. Unlike a lot of people you see, I'm not even going to say names anywhere, but, I mean, you know, they take a picture and there's an orb in there and they post it on Facebook and everyone goes nuts. And then they got their crazy friends that comment, oh, my God, that's a perfect orb. <laughs> <laughs> and there's faces, there's faces in it. I always tell people that if it has the differential ring around the outer edge, that's scientific. I mean, you can look that up. That's a sign of uh, an environmental orb. I don't care if Mickey Mouse is in it waving at you. If it's got that <laughs> outer ring, it's not real. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've seen, uh, I have actually seen paranormal orbs, and and they don't look anything like what you take a picture of usually. And they're self-illuminating. Yes, they're self-illuminating, and they'll oftentimes, sometimes you'll actually see reflections onto other things. like Correct. Or, Almost and, like a flashlight light that's not actually there. It's just... Yes, not, and, they, and right. they move. They move purposefully. It's like they're they're they'll go around the corner of a door. Correct. You know, and and they're not just floating about, you know, up and down and and uh, it, you know, I've I've only seen them on maybe two or three occasions, but they're they're actually kind of rare. I think there uh, are real ones. I tell people that I go. I'm an anti-orb. I go. I 99% can be explained, but I go. There is a one percent that you can't. Yes. yes. I actually, and, believe it or not, uh, Velisca, our friend Larry's favorite place, I was leaving there and took a bunch of pictures, and on the upstairs door where they say the children were trying to hide or something, whatever, that door that opens by itself, Yeah. I, I've got two orbs on there that are self-illuminating, casting a shadow on the door. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, whoa, that's... Because I put it on my site, and everybody... And it started giving me a hard time the next day. Oh, mister, I don't believe an orb. is posting an orb picture. I'm like, but you have to look at that. Look at the difference here. There's no differential rings. This is actually illuminating its own light, and it's casting a shadow. And they're usually solid. You know, they're like a right. solid, uh, solid, bright, white. Or uh, You know, I've seen some interesting orbs that were different colors. Correct. At Bachelor's Groves, actually, I've never seen it, but it's known to have blue orbs. Hmm. But I've you never know, seen one myself. Yeah, I, I have seen, and, and as well, I'm sure that you have seen this too, Ed. If you go to a very haunted location, you, I, you oftentimes see these flashes of light. And they're usually in your peripheral um, peripheral vision. It, it, and I've seen this on more than one occasion at at places that seem to have a lot of activity. And... and Different colors. Sometimes you see red, sometimes blue, sometimes white. And they just seem like they're just right in the corner of your eyes. But if you turn to look, you can't always see them. And, right. Uh, well, sometimes some of that is like a neuron firing in your in your head. And I mean, we do get weird effects, too. So some of that stuff I have to take with the grain of salt. But right. I, mean, I, I know exactly what you mean, too, though. Yeah, and I don't know what causes it. It just seems that's something I have experienced on on a couple different occasions. That uh, just especially and and usually it's outdoors that I that I see right. in these, um, like in um, in in woods. If there's a woods around it or something like that, I 
I yeah, woods are notorious for like phantom lights, things that just appear. I mean, you definitely see them, and then there's nothing there. You don't have any idea where they came from. Yeah, um, there's a there, there's a lot of woods down here uh, where we're at, uh, and uh, of course there's a uh, just outside. Well, I, I live in Auburn, Illinois, and just I mean the next town north of us is Chatham. Right. And, uh, Chatham is got quite a bit going on with the uh, there's supposedly a Bigfoot there. Uh, our friend Stan Courtney's been doing a lot of investigation. Um, at that area because there's been some reports that uh, leads paranormal in... activity there too because they seem to go hand in hand for some reason. You know, you know what there there is. I mean, there of course any town has paranormal activity in it, or uh, right. seems about every any and every town. But uh, there has been some UFO sightings uh, out in that area. I actually saw one. Um, not very far at all. It was actually in Glenarm, um, just off of I-55. I was heading into work, in, uh, or it was about 10 after 7 in the morning, and I look off to my left, and I see this great big round. Um, it was kind of a, between a whitish and a silverish color, perfectly round, just come floating up out of a tree line there. And I watch this, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, first thing I'm thinking is, what in the hell was that? You know, I'm I, I'm about, I don't have my camera. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. Being a paranormal researcher, I'm sure you had your camera handy, right? <laughs> well, you know, no, no cause I, you know, here I, I just got gas, and I'm on my way to work, and I'm half asleep. You know, it's the ten after seven. Uh, right. And I look off, and I'm like, well, is that a bag floating in the air? You know, or is it, you know, your mind rules out all these things right away. And uh, is it is it a flock of Ducks taken off, you know. You just you're you're thinking, you know, what what is this that I'm seeing? And then you finally it hits you. Well, that's not anything I'm used to seeing before. And this thing just kind of went up, and it kind of just moved off to the left a little bit, and it made this weird little kind of a jerking motion, and then it started heading west. And I looked away for just a second because I was on a curve. I looked away to look at the road for just a second, looked back, and it was gone. No, that's, yeah. They just moved quick. Or sometimes I think they just change the dematerialize or else go in another dimension or something, too. Very strange. But, but actually, the um, that is not far from one of the areas. It was actually very close. There's a power line that runs right straight through there, and about half a mile from that location is... a uh, a cemetery that sits just outside of Chatham where there has been some reports that this Bigfoot might be hanging out there. Um, and there has also been some UFO activity reported around this area too. So I don't know, you know, I, I'm one who believes that this Bigfoot and UFO and paranormal stuff, it's all, there's a link somewhere. It goes hand in hand because there's some cases and more and more where hmm. they're all, they generally start off with UFO activity, and then there seems to be some sort of paranormal indoor Bigfoot, and it goes from there. But it, it seems to be a reoccurring thing for some reason. Yeah, and I don't know what that is. You know, and that's, uh, of course, that's what keeps us going. You know, this kind of uh, anything unknown, of course, I'm fascinated with. And... Well, you were actually involved in UFOs, too. You're a part of a, are you part of the MUFON branch out there, or you just have your independent... Um, 
Yeah, we have we have a group called the Central Illinois UFO Group, and uh, we're also on. Uh, you can look us up on Facebook, and uh, the Prairie Land Paranormal Consortium is the name of our paranormal discussion group. There you go. I was going to let you say that because I was going to butcher it. <laughs> Prairie Land Paranormal Consortium or Consortium, some people say. You can say okay. it. And uh, look us up on Facebook and, and like us. And uh, we, we post updates on there and we have monthly meetings in the Springfield area for both of these groups. And uh, we just sit around and talk. We are a part, uh, you know, we're kind of a part of a branch of MUFON in this downstate area. Um, but, but you know, we we just sit and talk and, and uh, show videos and uh, discuss UFOs and sightings that have been coming up all over the world and and particularly in Illinois. Um, so, but you have a nice setup there, and the college you're at's great. I was up there. I made it up there one time, but you're just such a drive for me. I can't make it very often. Yeah, we need you to get you down in this area so you can come down and do some investigating with us. Well, like I say, I, I need somebody to open up a room for me because I'm not driving down I there think, and then coming I back. Think, <laughs> I think we could work that out for a night or two. So something I wanted to cover with you, Carl, I already know how you feel about it, but just for our listeners, paranormal activity, does it care about day or night? Absolutely not. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> that's That's the Absolutely. biggest misconception. Oh, absolutely not. And and these ghost hunters, uh, you know, I love you all, but you don't have to turn out the lights to do no. an investigation. That's only for your own senses. It's add, <laughs> it, it's it's adding the the scare factor in your own mind. It, ghost yeah. doesn't care. But I'm you you know you've seen me before, John. I'm a big guy, and I don't like stumbling around in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> Because if I fall, I'm going to break something probably. So yeah, I generally always don't do, like Waverly Hills is the only place I was in the dark, and uh, that definitely added to the creep factor. But that wasn't by choice. There was no lights in there. No power. Yeah. But no, no, absolutely not. Um, it could happen any time of the day, and often does. Um, we just we just uh, had a case where most of the activity was in the afternoon. That's some of my best stuff has all been daylight. Beautiful, yeah. clear days. You know, not you know, not on the creepy thunderstorm night at, at twelve o'clock or <laughs> like people <laughs> have a misconception. That's Hollywood doing that. That's what that is though. Yes, yes. It adds to you know, darkness adds to you know, it's mystery, you know. It it adds a mystery to everything because you can't see. And everybody's afraid of what they can't see, you know. Yeah, well, that's just natural, too. I mean, even I do paranormal research, and things don't scare me. Well, I'm not saying they don't, but you know what I mean. Not like not like unmentioned TV shows where they hear a noise and they run around screaming like little girls to get out of the building. <laughs> but, yeah, but you know, one of my favorites, uh, when it, well, just to laugh, to, 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 to find humor in, and I don't even think it's on anymore. Was it that uh, most, was it most haunted or... It was the British. They, they were in Britain. Oh, yeah. Wasn't that the one that was in trouble because they found out they were faking most everything? Yeah. Then they would, uh, and it was a, usually a bunch of these British women and a few guys, and they always had a psychic with them. But I, saw, I always found that so humorous because they would, they, first they would ask something to do. They'd be in a haunted place, and they'd ask them, hey, could, if that's you, could you make a noise? And they'd make a noise. <laughs> and, well, if, it, if it's... I'm not sure. Could you do that again for us? And they do it again. 
And then, uh, well, can you do it one more time? You know, they kept asking them to do the same thing. And it doesn't time. happen on cue. I got news for no. you. <laughs> no. And and then a lot of times, you know, they'd see something or they'd something would fall by them and they'd go running and screaming and running out of the place. And, uh, yeah, it's it, it was funny. I, I don't even think they play it here anymore. But it, it, uh, it some of these shows, How about uh, you think you should, like, uh, insult and scream and yell and swear to ghosts to get their attention? Oh my goodness! I you, <laughs> <laughs> again, I'm not mentioning any shows. <laughs> <laughs> um, absolutely not. I mean, uh, 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 you know, these things were people once. That's why I say they're ex-humans, is what I call them. They deserve respect. Yeah, and you, if you, if you wouldn't just walk in some place where it possibly was their place, they they lived. Right. You don't go in there and taunt and yell and tease and cuss and try to stir something up. You wouldn't do that if they were alive. Why would you do that to something that can't die? Of course, and sometimes you might get something you don't want if you do that, too. Oh, yes, yes. And, and then, uh, oh, yeah, that's, that's These TV never, shows don't show you that side of it. <laughs> never wise. No, never, never wise. I mean, these things can be wherever they want to be, and they may just decide to follow you home and torment you. You know, yes, it, as our friend Larry can tell you about, he's had that oh, problem with Felisca. Yes, yes, and we already know that some of the things there probably aren't too nice, you know. Felisca, I got a creepy feeling, but I didn't have anything negative happen. But, I mean, the creep factor was off the scale at that place. Did you do an overnight there? Yeah. It yeah. was It was one of those ones where I'm sure you've had that too, where you walk in the door and instantly it hits you. I mean, just the yeah. second, just like a an unseen force. Oh my, yes, yes. I, I'm, you know, I've been doing this long enough, and I, and I tell people, and and uh, you know, sometimes I even doubt myself when I say this, but but it, it it happens time after time. I can almost walk into a place now and tell immediately if there's something there. It's like just this odd feeling, and with for me, it's on my back. And it's like at the back of my neck, I get this tingling feeling. It's just that scary feeling, like when you're yeah, a kid, it, but they're real. <laughs> yes, it's it's a familiarity, and you know they say that the more you do this, the more you become attuned to it. Correct. And, and I think you know that it does happen. The more haunted places you go into, you just get this feeling. You can almost tell right well, away. What know, I think that, it is is they can tell because. You know, myself and you're probably the same way. We we tend to be a little bit more receptive. We know what we're looking for and we see things. You walk in a location like this and they know you can tell. So that's why we can feel it. At least that's my theory. Yeah, could be. Could be. <clears throat> well, when I went to uh, Waverly Hills, I brought Ken Berg with me. I don't know if you know Ken. He's a very well-known psychic. Uh, he works with the Chicago Police Department finding people that are yes. deceased. I brought Ken with me. And he wanted to go into Waverly by himself before we went in, just to see what was in there. He was in for like a te about 10 minutes and then came out, looked kind of freaked out. We're like, so what's the verdict? He goes, this place is haunted. <laughs> he goes, I walked in and they were calling me as soon as I walked in. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, whoa, let's get in there. I was like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> yeah. They were calling his name? Oh, at, at one point... Uh, and we were uh, probably like two or three in the morning. We were locked in there, kind of like that one stupid TV show. But this is real, <laughs> and, and I can actually hear Ken yelling. And I go down the hallway and find where the entrance door is, where we go out. He's pounding on the door. 
And I'm like, what is wrong? It's like, I got to get out of here. And he, he was having a panic attack. And Oh, my. And my reaction, well, you know me, my reaction is humor. You know, I'm, you know, I don't know what to do, so I, you know, I'm trying to make jokes. And he calmed down a bit, and we got out there, and he just says he was overwhelmed. There were so many around him calling his name. He just had a panic attack and had to get out of the building. Wow. And, and then someone like me, you know, he's like, they're all over me. And I'm looking around like, oh, crap. <laughs> I don't see him. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, it, it, sometimes it pays not being psychic, I, I, I would suppose. Especially I think that was one of them, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... that's yeah, that's that's probably a location that it would be best to uh, to not hear that. You know, be neat to hear it maybe when you're playing back your EVPs in a safe location. Yeah, but not actually in your head. In I think <laughs> actually I don't. I think Ken hears. I don't think he sees it. I'm thinking about that. I'm pretty sure he does just hear it. and He doesn't actually visually see it. I think. I don't. Even, I'm pretty sure because man, my gosh, seeing it would even be worse. Oh my! Yeah. It'd be like an old zombie movie. <laughs> I mean, my guys. <laughs> Night of the Living Dead, yeah. So what else yeah. we got to cover here? What other theories out there that people always have misconceptions on? Uh, oh, we were discussing uh, shadow people are always evil and white things are always good because of the white and black. Oh, yes. Uh, which is a misconception. It's it's really kind of an ingrained, uh, you know, that bl- black is is bad. The da- the darker something is, the darker of a of a energy entity or a feeling, right? Yeah, the, the the darker the energy, but and and if it's white, of course, it it may not be as bad. But you know, that's something that it's just you know we don't know what causes these things to appear to us, and that that may just be how that spirit decides to appear or can. Correct. Any well, given if someone time. sees something white, you know, like a form floating that's white, instantly they're like, I saw an angel. <laughs> yes. 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 But, and you, you can't always jump to those conclusions because uh, it it's just may not be true. You know, that something that's white isn't necessarily always good as something that, that's dark isn't always bad. I mean, it, it could be, as a matter of fact, could be just the reverse. Um, so what, uh, what's your view? I was telling you before that uh, my, one of my studies is shadow people. What do you think about them? Interdimensional or, you know, just ghosts? Or, do you have any thoughts on them? You know, I, I don't. You know, I, I look at them as, as, you know, that it's definitely an area in the paranormal field that, that is, is, is it, it could be anything. You know, I, I, I'm not sure. I do believe that there's different dimensions, and I think that, you know, some people think that Bigfoot's an interdimensional uh, being, that it can walk behind a tree and sometimes just disappear and and uh, i think he's but, just an alien bloodhound <laughs> the ufos drop him off and that's yeah, all it yeah, is theories that, that that say that that they're kind of they work for these ufos i mean i i don't know if i necessarily believe that but i do think there is some kind of a uh, a connection between a lot of because there are places where if there's UFO activity, there's also paranormal activity, and there's also sometimes Bigfoot sightings and, and creatures like that. Have you have you ever read that that about that ranch out that the Skinwalker? Oh, Skinwalker, yeah, boy, my gosh. <laughs> oh my goodness, that you know, some place like that. I have a feeling that there's a lot of places like that all over the world. 
Oh, I'm sure there is. And one thing is, is like, you see an alien. How do we know that's not a ghost and vice versa? How do we know a ghost isn't an alien? How do we know they're not all the same or, you know, what's what? It's not as if there's on this side of the room aliens and UFOs and on this side ghosts. We don't know what, you know, they can all be interdimensional creatures from the same place. You know, we have no idea. I, you know, you, that's absolutely true. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know, though, but by golly, I'm trying to find out. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> much... so am I. Well, none of us know. I mean, and if you say you know, you're a liar. But it's, 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 it's no doubt fascinating, and we're all just trying to fit in pieces of the puzzle. Um, I, I don't know what, what is all this stuff is, but, uh, you know, if you talk to Stan about it, he, he, doesn't wanna, he doesn't make that connection. Although it's interesting because Stan has seen some UFOs. Right. Stan's and... strictly a Bigfooter. Sasquatch yeah. or whatever you want to call it—they're yeah, all the he, same it, to me. And he believes in it. He may be right that it's that it's just like a, more of just a forgot. He thinks it's part of the Gigantopithecus, uh, um, you know, that has just kind of gone unnoticed all these years, and and they they're elusive. Um, they, he says they're not rare; they're just elusive. But, well, one theory is they bury their dead, too. I think Stan, I don't remember if it was Stan or Farland Huff that was talking about that. One of the reasons we don't find the dead bodies. They bury their dead just like we do. Yeah, yeah. And he brought up a good point uh, the other night when I talked to him. He said, you know, you don't often, even hunters that go out and deer hunt, I used to do that with my dad as a teenager. But he says, you don't often come upon deer carcasses. Or, you know, you don't often come upon just a carcass or a skeleton of any animal. Only by the side of the road. I mean, normally yeah. in the woods you don't. <laughs> but yeah, out on the side of the road, of course, especially in Illinois. We, we sure got our share of those. But, yeah. uh, you know, and, and I got to thinking, you know, you're right. You know, it, it don't because there's so many um, little animals that feed on them and birds and birds of prey and crows and you know, there's so many things that just kind of pull them apart, drag them here and there, and, and, you know, I don't know what happens to all these bones, but... Well, they get scattered, too, little creatures, grab them and run one way with one and one with the other. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, you know, he, you know that's kind of an interesting point, too. And, and who's to say that, you know, they don't have a body of one of these things somewhere, they just aren't telling us about well, it. Well, yeah, right? the, the government not telling us is another entire show. I mean, that's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I always thought people that thought that way were crackpots. Absolute nuts. And now that I've met more people and I know more research and I've talked to scientists and physicists and all these people, they're not. <laughs> There's so much stuff that we're not being told, and it's like, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, and it it uh, it goes deep, you know, and it, it goes deep, and and there there's things that they know that our government knows, and we'll never, you know, they'll never let on. Um, I think even even if uh, things were to happen just right in front of us, right right out in the open, they'd still try to deny it somehow. They would do the Star Wars thing. <laughs> You know, yeah. Never mind. This is not the one you want. <laughs> you yeah. Or they walk up to us like the like the men in black and with the little uh, the little lights on the end of the pins and just. Oh, snap. I asked I asked Sam Maranto for that when I was in Mufon. <laughs> I, I wanted to know when I got my little mind erasing pen. <laughs> I, I guess they don't give those out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, but, I definitely wanted one of those, but they're not standard issue, I guess. 
Yeah, and I don't. I haven't seen them in any of the catalogs. Either. <laughs> I don't think they're just something that they uh, uh, that they you can buy. I just saw an article about that. I don't remember where that there is some sort of uh, thing where they we can erase minds now. It was in one of the scientific journals, which is a creepy thought because your memories is what you are. I mean, you erase your memories. You've actually erased your personality. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, look at some of these abductions. I mean, there's something that the alien technology, you know, if you believe that, that they're able to erase at least temporarily, you know, uh, someone's mind or yeah, or completely. Sometimes ten, twenty, thirty years later, all of a sudden something happens and that people can remember. But but I would I would think that you know basically our brains almost work off of an, a type of electricity. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking that if... I, it doesn't surprise me that the scientists would know that putting some kind of an electrical charge... An EMP or, pulse. <laughs> yeah, or cutting off some kind of an electrical charge in our brain would do that. And uh, my goodness. Boy, we're bringing up some scary stuff. Well, well, I always tell people when they ask me, I go, here's how I can put it the best. Remember X-Files? I go, that was a reality show. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're involved a bit more of this, you know what I mean? A lot of stuff they talk about there is pretty much true. Yeah, yeah, I love that uh, that's in Men in Black movies where they, where the guy goes and picks up all the all the, all the rags, like the Weekly World News, and, they st- and he says, this is actually the real news. Uh-huh. This is the stuff that's real, but, uh, you know, they, they try to make it sound like it's not but. well something is too real then all kinds of stories come out to discredit it positive yeah. and negative stories i mean there'll be other stories where they'll say there's more sightings that weren't there and stuff just to create a, a false buzz yeah it's 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 crazy i mean you you know um from experience that you could take we could go out and get the absolute best photo of a ghost and you have I mean, you you have the most amazing one, yeah. of, uh, you know, the, at Bachelor's Grove. That that Correct. amazing photo is still uh, that's probably the the most amazing photo that I've seen. That was just on but WGN that, last week too, so I, a lot I more people that. know about it. I saw that it was it's it's absolutely amazing, and uh, you you know, but you've probably already been accused of it being a fake, haven't you? Well, yeah, but it definitely isn't. I mean, there's no yeah. difference. But oh, if you go to my website, I'm not, I'm not saying you say that, but if you look on the website and you read the post that that's in, you can see the amount of research we went in trying to prove it. It was a fake ourself. You know, but nothing panned out, you know, and if you can't, right. you know, if you can't prove it's fake, obviously it's not. Yeah. Uh, no, I think, I think it's very real, and uh, I just think it's an amazing photo, and it was just a... Once it's in a lifetime, those, actually. Yes. Yeah, it's an amazing photo. And uh, I think it's, I, I like it a lot better than the, the famous one that's from there. That the Yeah, so do I, actually. Of the girl sitting on the, uh, you know, the, the stone. But uh, the, uh, you can have the most amazing photo, and you know it's real. But you're always going to have people say, no, that's fake. That can't be real. It's too good. It's too, it's too well, that's what we get on that one because that picture is so good. Everyone says, "Well, it is good, so it's obviously a real person." And yeah. I'm like, "No, I'm, I was standing 12 foot away, looking right there when this was going on." I go, "You would have saw a person." Plus, this person is dressed in like 
late 1800s clothes and they're semi-translucent. You know, yes. <laughs> that's hard to recreate. <laughs> yes, yes it is. Yes it is. No, I think, and she has a look on her face that's priceless. Oh, I know. To me, it's that like, oh, I've been seen. That's what it reminds <laughs> me of. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it looks like. It's, it's like, oh, am I going to get in trouble when I go back home? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be punished by the ghost people. Oh, you know, another view of that, Carl, maybe she saw us and was like, oh, what is that? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it could be. See, that could. people don't look at it that way. Maybe, you know, the, it's an interdimensional thing, and she was shocked because she saw us. It, you know, it very well could be. It, 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 it could be that she was just doing whatever she was doing in her time, coming to visit a grave or, you know, walking through the woods, and then all of a sudden, there you are. Another intriguing thing about that is uh, where she was when we recreated it there's a broken tombstone right there and you would you'd almost have to be on your knees to be at the same height she's in and and there's a thorn bush there but you had to be on your knees but in her time that tombstone wasn't broken so she was probably just standing there oh wow that is interesting that that isn't it did look like there was maybe some thickets or some yeah it was thorn bush oh my goodness so trying to recreate that somebody probably got some thorns in them yeah, Rachel, my friend. <laughs> we wanted it perfect, and what we did is we took the original picture out with us, and then we were able to line it up by little marks on the trees, so we got the exact distance, the exact height, and recreated it. And she was semi-kneeled on a, a broken tombstone, you know, to get the right height. That's a, that's amazing. That's po- a great photo. We posted it, all that in the site, too, the recreation and everything, you know, just to prove the point, too. Yeah, that's 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 a it's a great photo, great photo. There's another web there's another website that's got posted out there that says I lied on WGN and that photo was actually a person and we know it and it's a fraud. <laughs> well, you know that unfortunately you'll get that. You know it's it's uh, well some people are just jealous that you got a good photo. But, well, it makes but, me laugh too because if you actually have the photo and you you analyze it the way that I have, it's there's part of her is missing from the part of the waist down and it's semi-translucent people just don't do that no no it, it, it's not normal <laughs> it's, and it, it's, i say if hypothetically a lady was there on her knees looking at us okay we can go that far would you not notice somebody dressed in you know late 1800s clothes with a hair bonnet on oh yeah <laughs> oh, absolutely you know absolutely and you're you you know you're you're walking around out there and it was during the day, wasn't it? Yeah, and there was a few people out there. I'm not going to say we were alone. There was a few people out there, but still, I mean, I'm talking that picture only 12, 14 foot away when it was taken. Yeah, you you would definitely notice someone like that walking around because they would <laughs> they would look out of place. Yeah, to say the least. <laughs> well, did you see that another member on our site? Uh, it was actually we. I put it in the same show. I had WG and Air it too got a person in old clothes in the same kind of blue gown in a distance too did you notice that one on tv is that the one where it looks like she's kind of walking at the yeah place? if you look in she looks like an elf though it's, it really throws me off if you you zoom into that picture it looks like she has pointed ears on that one really yeah no. on, the, on the smaller one not the big one where it's turning away it reminds me of like an elf but it's the exact same color blue clothing well, that's interesting. And what was cool is that uh, her name was Lisa, I believe, that posted that. 
she posted that a few months after this one was posted, you know, that we had found there. But her EXIF data shows that she had taken it months before this one was taken. So it was oh. actually before that was taken. <laughs> well, that's that's interesting. No, I'll have to go back and look at that. Yeah, if you go to the link, actually, uh, that's what so many people do. They click on, they look at it, and then they make stupid comments. But if you go through and read, and you see all the research that was done and all the different stuff, that's a different story. But you you know as well as I do, people don't want to do that. They want to go in and instantly make a snap <laughs> judgment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Human nature, I guess, John. <laughs> oh, anything else you want to cover? We forget. I'm trying. I'm trying to cover things that are misconceptions. Like I say, uh, ghosts are only at night. They're only at midnight. Uh, they always wear black. <laughs> <laughs> Just Johnny Cash's ghost. There you go. How about uh, what do you? How about the witchy now or crap that was on that other TV show? You think that has anything to do with anything? You know, there are some people that I've talked to who believe that, and there are others that say, you know, they don't have anything more happen, you know, at, and some people, there's different times that kind of that they call the witching hour. Of course, some people say midnight, some people say one, some people say 3 a.m. Seems like there's a lot of paranormal stuff that does happen around 3 a.m. in the morning for some reason. Um, I've got some uh, friends that are uh, pagans. And they say that they think one of the most active times is, is well, there's two. They say at daybreak, when uh, the sun's just coming up, and at dusk. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say, for some reason, that the veil is thinner at these times. And they th- seem to think that some activity happens at those times, Those too. are actually the two times that we have the hardest time seeing, too. Our eyes are adjusting to the changing conditions. Right. Because you can go out at night, and after a bit, your eyes will adjust. And at daylight, you're adjusted. But right when it's getting dark and right when it's getting light, there's that weird kind of, I don't know how you'd describe it, that, you know, that it's just kind of the twilight look thing. And it's actually harder to see things at that time. Yeah, 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 it is. It is. And uh, and then they've got the thing, of course, you, you know, the, the full moon and the... Yeah. And the new moon, those seem to be two active times. Uh, well, and again, I think that from a scientific point of view is more to do with the actual moon and the tides and the fact that the human is made of, you know, we contain so much water. Scientifically, I think things like that happen rather than paranormal-wise. Right, right. And I have a tendency to agree with that. Um, but I've, I've, I've had many people tell me that uh, they think that, you know, that you hear about all the activity on a, on a full moon they say that crime rates go up and the ERs Correct. are busier during that time period. But I've uh, paranormal-wise, I've heard that that the new moon is actually seems to bring out more paranormal activity, which is basically kind of no moon at all. Right. Uh, what they call the new moon is just kind of when it's almost completely uh, in the dark. I mean, who's to so, say there aren't any differences? I mean, paranormal activity happens 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but there might be other times where the veil is thinner or whatever, you know, reason happens. Right. There, there's more energy for it to, you know, I just don't actually don't know. But, you know, who's to say there could be other times? So I, yeah. I had somebody just ask me if uh, Halloween is going to be the best night to catch the EVPs. <laughs> I got that. I got asked that at least... Uh, half a dozen times on Halloween. 
Did you, I mean, do the ghosts dress up as humans and get candy or something? What's the deal? <laughs> I've had people come up and say, oh, I bet this is your favorite time of the year. I bet this is your favorite day, isn't it? And I go, well, I like to eat candy. <laughs> well, I actually do like I, I do like Halloween because I have the big Bachelor's Grove website and the whole paranormal thing. So to, Halloween is pretty cool. <laughs> well, para, paranormal investigators have a ball this time of the year because it's it seems to be the time of the year that everybody is more interested in this stuff. Yeah, otherwise they don't... I mean, like, WGN contacted me to do that news article. Well, they wouldn't have contacted me in December. I mean, right. it's Halloween that does that. Right, right. Everybody's more attuned to all the scary movies and being a little bit scared. And, and uh, of course, it, you know, it's turning into fall, so it's getting darker sooner. And uh, different things play into it. But, but you know, it, it's no more of an active time of the year, you know, paranormal-wise for me. Than, than any other time we you know one of the things we have noticed and i'm sure you have too is sometimes we get more calls in the winter when the, when the weather starts changing like this and i think it's simply because the when the weather's nice everybody's outdoors that could be and then in the winter they're coming back into their homes and they're noticing when more activity when more activity happens in their homes they seem to seem to notice it more in the fall and winter because it's colder. Yeah, they're just the, sitting in the house where in summertime they're, sitting, they're out yeah. doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's hard uh, to say. I mean, there's so many different things out there. But, I mean, my key, my pet peeves are, you know, the ghosts are only out at night and all that right. stuff, which I know you agree with me, too. That's why I wanted to point that out for people listening. <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm 100%. You know, I, I, I get some, I've gotten some, some of my best uh, evidence has been captured uh in the mornings and in the afternoons. I mean, it, 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 it does not. It's not just at night. Mine time. too. The only one I got at night was when I was at the Congress Hotel, and it just happened to be a nighttime. I don't think it had anything to do with it because the Congress, you know, it's indoors, and the lights were off, but just some dim lights, and that's when I got that shadow person. But I don't think that has, you know, crap to have to do with it being nighttime. Right. Right. It's uh, it's just people think that the. I, you know, it, you know, I always tell people that the reason that they turn off all the lights, like on Ghost Hunters and all these other programs, is because they want to show off their fancy toys, their fancy gadgets. The lights and the LEDs and all the oh, cool stuff. Yeah, the thermal, uh, the thermal cameras and all of the expensive uh, uh, gadgets that they have that sees in the dark and stuff. Um, and, of course, the, you know, they show you the view through... The night vision camera, so everything's kind of a greenish. Well, that stuff is cool. I mean, you gotta admit, but I oh, like the, I like the what you call it the the not the spectrum the what is the one with all the cool colors? Is the thermal the thermal thermal, thermal? There you go. I forgot. I'd love one of those things, but my gosh, they're like three grand. Yeah, they start at like twenty five hundred dollars and go up. It's it's not some you know firemen's use those um, yeah. when they're when they're searching for. Uh, uh, people and stuff. So I mean, it it, it it's not. Yeah, I mean, it, well, the, you know, the, I don't know if you know Ron Fabiani from uh, Chicago Paranormal Detectives. I've, I've never met Ron. And I think he's a friend of mine on Facebook. Uh, well, you know, what Ron told me the best thing for those cameras are is to see who farted. <laughs> <laughs> he says that's what they use them for. <laughs> they probably point them at each other and says, "Okay, it's your turn." Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> well. I know I do know that one of the problems with those is they 
you can see the reflections of your body heat off of almost everything. Correct. Um, so even though you may be several feet away from it, your heat is like the bouncing off of the walls and... and uh, well, it is so a, a of, they have the wow factor because I mean I gotta admit it does look cool as can be whether it's effective or not you know who knows. I think the most interesting usage is not so much the paranormal the paranormal people that use the thermal camera but the Bigfoot hunters. Uh huh. Because because I've seen some pretty impressive uh, images caught. You know if you're out you know, on a cold night shooting into the woods. Well, yeah, definitely. There, there should not be. A big red, yeah, an eight eight foot tall thing, <laughs> walking around in the woods, you know. Whoa. And uh, much more effective to me in situations like that than you know on a paranormal investigation. I wish I had unlimited funds because I would buy all these things and I would do the best research projects, and not for TV, just for the knowledge, just to do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you if you get rich and you buy a bunch of that stuff. Uh, then give me a call and I'll come up and help you play with. Well, you know I've already got you know <laughs> those incredible surveillance cameras. So if you ever get a case where you need those, those are those infrared cameras that uh, are true infrared and don't need any IR admitters. Well, that's very cool. See, we need to get you down here, John. And, uh, <laughs> we need you to take you to some of these uh, central Illinois uh, hot spots and uh, let you check them out for yourself because we we've got a few down here. If you got some good ones where we can actually leave some equipment safely, we could set those cameras up and leave them run for a week at a time. Oh, let's let's do it. Let's do it. Actually, I've, I, I, there's a couple cool places I think we could get into and uh, have some fun with those. I'll have to talk to you off the air, but we'll uh, we could definitely do that. I mean, my equipment's just sitting there. You know, what good is it? You know, just sitting in the closet. Absolutely. Of course, I've had a little bit having out here lately. You know about that. I, I had some yeah. strange yeah, you, little experience at night. <laughs> did you want to talk about that? Well, I'm not I'm sure. I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by it. It sounds like some a possible abduction or something. I mean, I, I in the middle of the night, I, I could wake up. To, well, I don't even know if I woke up. I don't know how you'd explain it, but my pillows and blankets are moving and I couldn't move, and I remember distinctively saying, what do you want? Leave me alone. Quit it. But nothing was coming out. And it was just a sheer feeling of terror, and then I had no concept of time, and the next thing I remember, I'm just laying in bed, but I'm terrified, and I put the blankets over my head, and that's all I remember. You know, that that would be terrifying. I mean, it, uh, you see you know, you know, see this on the, on the, on the movies, and you think... Uh, you know that, but you know when it actually—I would imagine if it actually happens to you, it could be scary stuff. You know, it's much it, more interesting when I have someone telling me about their encounter. Yeah, <laughs> and then when it's actually happening. To you. Well, that's you what's did too, because I mean, you know, I'm so serious about this kind of thing too, and it, you know, that's what caught me off guard. When you, uh, John, when you were having this experience, do you, you don't remember seeing any lights or seeing any kind of a figure or anything? It was just just total darkness but there was a light in the sky that evening like probably nine or ten o'clock doing some unusual things that night you yeah. know I, I don't know if there's a correlation to it or not or if it was just one elaborate nightmare I, I i don't think it was a nightmare because you know 
get to a certain age, you kind of know what you do and don't do at night. This was nothing like I've ever experienced in my life. I would imagine that it's probably, uh, and that just happened recently, didn't it? It was just, uh, well, this week. Yeah. Have you been having, you've probably been having some trouble. (laughs) I've been been staying up till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning every night. Yeah. Wow. I think it happened, I think it was just Tuesday this week. And, uh, yeah, it was just a few days ago. Yeah, I, I literally have been, uh, last night again, it's the second night in a row, I stayed up to three in the morning. Wow. Well, you know, have you have you thought about setting up any cameras or anything? Have you? Yeah, I'm actually going to set, my camera equipment isn't with me right now. I actually have to get my equipment. I'm actually up at my mother's house right now helping her out. She had had an accident, and my equipment's not up here. But I'm going to bring oh. it up here and run my cameras in my room. Oh yeah, I think that that may be a good idea, and talk you know, talk to her and see if she's ever had anything like that happen. But see, she's the one that saw the light. She came down and told me about it. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Now, when you went up, it, and it wasn't a planet then, because or, or a star. Or well, a I, I thought it might have been until it started moving. You know, it would like shoot to the left or shoot to the right or up or down or make a forty-five degree turn and then just stop and stay there again. And oh, that's when yeah. I kind of thought, like, well, most planets don't, <laughs> they don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't need to do something like that. You know, I, there's so many things, so many possibilities. You know, you, you've you heard of the uh, sleep paralysis and the right. different things. But then, you know, if your pillows and your sheets are moving. Exactly. That's what Roberta said. Uh, our, our mutual friend there. She goes, well, sleep paralysis is one thing, but your blankets are moving. I'm like, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and then the and the the strangeness with you know just earlier that evening seeing that light. Yeah. You know, you may be talking about a you know. I don't and, think it was an abduction. I don't think. I think it was a possible attempt, though. Maybe it may have been an attempted. Uh, and if you. Uh, um, you didn't notice any kind of a time lapse, or no? Unfortunately, I didn't. I don't even have a clock in here, so I couldn't tell. But I distinctly remember yelling, you know, which is odd in a dream if you think about it. What are you doing? Leave me alone. You know, think about it. that's kind of an odd thing to just come up with in the middle of the night. <laughs> right, right. But I, I was I was screaming at the top of my lungs, and all that was coming out was like, you know, kind of like that. Wow. It was it, it was an experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you hear about in the abduction cases where that happens, you know, they try to, even they say if you even try to thrash, you're just kind of stuck in one that's like, you know, that, that they, they do something to you. I don't know what, but... I don't, were, re- I don't recall being able to move. I, I mean, I, I just... It, it's it's just kind of a weird blur. I actually wrote it on Facebook, which I normally never do, but I actually wanted to get it out there right when it was fresh in my mind too. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I you know I don't I kind of don't blame you in a way for staying up so late because I mean that that's, that's a terrifying thing to happen. Well, um, I'm a, such a logical person too. I mean, I can find an excuse for everything. That's what I do. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the person that finds the excuses to debunk you is having issues himself. That's a different story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you need to you need to get yourself a uh, 
one of those illuminated alarm clocks to keep in there. And, and well, I, I've actually got one here, but where I'm at right now in my mother's house, she's in the rural part of Michigan, and their electricity goes off like every other week. Oh, my. And I got so tired of setting my alarm clock, I just <laughs> turned it off. I got fed up with it. Yeah, you need to get one of those with the battery backup with the nine volt. I'm battery. going to now. Well, give me a little bit once I get back uh, into Illinois. I'm going to be. I'm bringing all my cameras in here. I'm, I have 16 cameras in my room from every angle. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, you know, if it turns out that things continue to happen, get in touch with us. We'll come up there and do. I will. Some... I'm going to put these in the backyard too. I'm going to aim them outside. We'll go up there and do some investigating. Try to figure out what's going on. We could have a part. We could do it live on the air too. I can stream it. Didn't, um, didn't you say there were some other odd things that may be going on there? Yeah, without trying to sound insane. There, there, <laughs> I, so I, strange I, noises and stuff? Yeah, and actually I've been talking with some people that think it's Bigfoot activity. But I, I've been keeping it kind of to myself because it just, even in what I do, oh. to me it just seems so crazy. Well, we were just talking about that earlier, you know. There's a tie-in with that stuff somehow. I... I... And it, does she live close to woods? Is there? Is there yeah, a... about fifty foot away from the woods, and there's a big uh, river too. And from what oh. I understand, they they love being near the river in the woods. And the third key thing they need is deer, what I say. And there's deer everywhere out here. Yeah, and fish in the stream, and probably small game all over the place. Yeah, and following the stream, you can like go from one side of the state to the other. Well, not a stream; it's a St. Joseph River. It's a huge river. Oh my. Yeah. Well, who knows? You know, it uh, it's a fascinating place for us paranormal investigators. Well, I mean, actually, when I came here, I haven't talked about it in the air. I, when I first came here, my mom had hurt her leg, and I had to come up to help her. She couldn't walk, and uh, weird stuff started happening. I brought up uh, my grandmother's uh, grandmother clock. You know, it's a smaller one than a grandfather clock, and I <laughs> set it up, and then it had stopped by itself, and I started it up again. And then all of a sudden, it, it, it reversed time. I was actually a clocksmith for four years, right? so I actually know clocks. It reversed time? Yeah, grandfather clock can't do that without internal damage. <laughs> you can go forward. I mean, you can literally take it and keep going forward. Yeah, and, you, and you'd have to go all the way around to get it back to the time. Right. Wow. But it actually reversed time by three hours. And uh, it was doing some weird stuff, and there was a few other little weird things happening here, because my mom's like, you brought your paranormal crap with you, and she was all mad. <laughs> John and his paranormal baggage. <laughs> but well, you know, my, my wife tells me all the time, you better not bring something home with you. <laughs> Say, honey, it's, say it's well-mannered. Most of it's pretty old. It's been around. It has good manners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I try not to, but you never know, you know. Well, you have no idea if it's something's going to come along with you or not. But, I mean, it is funny. i got to admit, there were some really odd things happening here once once I started getting here. And I wasn't going to talk about it either, actually. I just I am now, but I, I try to avoid that because it's so hard to sound when so logical when it's actually happening to you. Well, yeah, I mean, I... I, I just recently had a, an experience like that. You know, I ta I'm always talking about paranormal stuff, and I'm talking about UFO stuff. But I actually saw a UFO two days in a row out at Lincoln Land, the place where I work. 
And, yeah, I remember uh, you actually posted that on Facebook that you did, didn't you? Yeah, and, you know, to, to see one out there is amazing enough. And I actually had three witnesses to the first one I saw. And uh, I, I just went outside to stretch my legs and enjoy it. was a nice day. Um, it was like uh, two months ago. And uh, I just walked, stepped outside and was stretching and looked up in the sky and just saw this odd flashing thing coming at us in the sky and it was relatively low and it was kind of a nondescript shape and it was just it was heading to the east mm -hmm. and uh, I, there was a couple people that worked upstairs from me and they were standing outside uh, having a cigarette I said hey guys come over here and I pointed up there to it I said do you guys see that thing in the sky yeah we see it I said what the hell is that thing and they're like boy we don't know I don't know what that is and they were all and we just stood and watched this thing until it disappeared and uh, one of the girls had tried to take a picture of it with her with her uh, phone camera which is so hard to do so hard to do and it nothing turned out I mean it, it I, she, she wasn't able to zoom in on it and you, you really can't you see know, people need to do actually on a side note for our listeners Get yourself one of those, what are they, 995, I don't know, those disposable cameras. Carry one in you. If you're a girl, <laughs> put it in your purse. No, I'm serious. Yes, put it in your know, purse. Keep it in your car. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you know, who's depending on how high the thing is, you know, you may or may not get a good picture. Right, or it uh, may not even show up in film. Right, right. And uh, But I had witnesses on that. The very next day I walk out, and I look up in the sky, and I see this cylinder-shaped craft. And this has been oh, so it was a different type then. It wasn't the same one. Completely different. Completely different. And uh, this one just looked basically like an airplane without wings. Hmm. It, it looked like it was kind of a, a cylinder, and it was silverish color, and it was just traveling. It was it was also heading east. But that thing had been reported all over the place because, like, the very next day, um, the uh, the uh, MUFON guy over in Indiana, well, the head of the Indiana uh, uh, Indianapolis area, mm -hmm. a call on the phone because I had posted it, and people had saw it on there, and he gave me a call and said, "Hey, we've seen that thing here. We saw it. You know, several people have seen it over here." So they were just trying to get the, my information on it to... Uh, Actually, on a side note, isn't uh, Illinois, Indiana, and Michigan like on a real high alert for UFO activity? Uh, you know, it, it, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me because the, the activity's kind of been kind of been off the charts, uh, well, UFO-wise. I mean, down, down in Missouri, Missouri's like a hotbed right now. There's a lot of stuff going on down there. And I've been, pe people have asked me, you know, how to see UFOs because I got that video of the UFO on that on my infrared camera. Yeah. All you got to do to see a UFO, people, is look up. Look up. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be amazed; they're everywhere. They are. They are. And, and if you and have the ability, you get infrared. That's what you want because in the IR field, that's the human vision. We can't see that. And in infrared, it's people are proving that they're in that field. Well, that those uh, th those videos you you took with that camera that time that you showed me those were pretty amazing. Those and that was a that was a unbelievable fluke. I was actually on the phone with somebody, and we were discussing that we had heard that Homeland Security was going to outlaw infrared cameras. And I'm like, well, let's see why. And that's a remote control camera. So I, from in the house, I adjusted it and shot it up in the air. 
and not even within two minutes, two UFOs dro- flew right by it. Yeah, and they kind of were in and out of clouds. Yeah, which was great because that gives you validation as far as your height. Yeah, that's that's just now. Did you see them when you when you? No, I actually I was in the house. So I mean, this is a completely remote control system. Oh, you just kind of pointed. Oh, yeah, it's a fully automatic system. I have a joystick in the house, and I can do zoom, pan, tilt, rotate three hundred sixty degrees. That's neat. That's why I say it's extremely high end. I I install and build pair or a uh, surveillance systems, and I had some of the best equipment money could buy because some of my customers were really high end so that I had to have the top of the line to show them how it worked. Yeah. So luckily I've got like I mean that the lens on that camera alone is over 4000 bucks. Wow. Wow. Well that's that's very cool. Those things uh, they were kind of circular, weren't they? Like a like a gold. Yeah, they were circular, but when I I used the enhancement software, actually they were more of a I think I was telling you the other day, more of like almost like a elongated triangle, but still rounded edges. I mean, if you could follow that, uh, the the nose was a tad thinner than the back, something like that, and they were extremely metallic. You could see light reflecting off of them, or else they were uh, translucent. I couldn't quite tell. Yeah, that's fascinating. Well, what's cool about that is that was that's on professional uh, watermarked video, which you can't tamper with. Right. Right. Man, but these so are the, these are the ones I caught. Same camera I caught that apparition going through the wall at Waverly Hills with too. I want to see that. You have to show me well, that. Well, that's story. the one we'll bring down. If you you find somewhere to put it, I'm serious. Where well, we know we're safe because these are expensive, we can set these things up for a week or two and just let them run. And you can view them remotely if we get internet access there. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I'm I'm going to work on that. I'm going to see if we can get a place where we can just kind of. Lock it up and just let those let them let them go. Because yeah, you never know. I've actually locked locked them in haunted homes before, uh, supposedly haunted homes. Put it that way for a week at a time, uh, in high anticipation of something. <laughs> and and I've done it to two different places, and I don't want to say where because I don't want to burst anybody's bubble. But uh, neither one of them showed any signs of anything, with cameras running twenty four seven for a week. Boy, talking about having to review a lot of evidence, that that would have oh been... Oh, my, my gosh. Do you know I still haven't gone through all my evidence from Waverly? <laughs> from Waverly, yeah. Waverly was three years ago, and I still haven't gone through it all. Just so much. There's so You know, they they really shorten it up when you watch Ghost Hunters or a program like oh, that. Yeah. You can spend two days just <laughs> looking at your video. <laughs> oh, my goodness. If you're just in one spot one place and you do a four or five hour investigation in one location but you have like uh, four cameras and you have the you know three uh three evp recorders and uh-huh. uh, you know or audio recorders and people realize it's all it's and not you only have to watch every single one of those and and in real time too in real time and you have to sit and listen to that and that's one of the things that that uh, a lot of paranormal investigators you know they love to do the hunt but they don't want to review the evidence, and you well, you photographic got, you got. evidence too. People don't realize that you, you take pictures. You don't just look at that picture and say, "Oh, I got nothing." You got to zoom into that picture four, five, six hundred percent. Yeah, and, that, and then literally scan left to right, drop down left to right, drop, yeah, for each picture. Yes, yes, because you can find some amazing things in in the, the first glance. You don't always see it. Matter of fact. <laughs> Look for 
if I get my motivation back, I was going through some bachelor's growth pictures. I took an infrared from two and a half years ago. And uh, I take pictures in pairs. That's something we should cover, too. I don't know. I take everything click click in pairs so there's yeah. always something to compare to that's a good note for you people listening take your pictures in pairs well i got a pair and i'm scanning through and because i was playing them like in a row almost like a slideshow something caught my eye i went back i've got a shadow person or a shadow a black person standing up two seconds later they're bending over picking something up Oh, and I, yeah. I just found that. I haven't even posted it anywhere yet. I just found it the other day going through some pictures from three and a half years ago. And that's, that's yeah, yeah. And that's an infrared, because infrared's my thing. I mean, I, I'm like I'm hugely indifferent. I have an infrared still camera. I have infrared video cameras, because that's, a, that's the human eye cannot see an infrared. So, my gosh, well, anything could be an infrared, because we can't see it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and anybody with any knowledge above ours, like some of these uh, craft may have, they know that. Right. You know? They, they so, you know, some people think they have cloaking-type uh, skills that they could... Uh, well, did you see, I think it was Jose Escamilla that actually had two cameras side-by-side. Side. I'm pretty sure it's here, and I could be wrong. I'm, I'm sure listeners will correct me if I'm wrong. There's two cameras, and one's an IR camera, and one's a standard camera, side-by-side side looking up, and a UFO flies by, and it's only visible in the infrared camera. Yeah, boy, you know, that that's kind of verification, isn't it? That it it's like they're operating just outside our ability to see them. Well, they abduct us, so they know what we can see, so they just make <laughs> their cloaking device or whatever they want, you know, so they know it's not in the human vision. Right, right, and, you know... They were able to cloak themselves, too, probably. And, you know, I, I think that, uh, uh, the, uh, like the Bigfoot, uh, you know, I call them creatures, but whatever you want to call them. Uh, right. They, they, I think they can see a bit in, like, animals, other animals they know can see in the infrared range, like cats and dogs, and and I think they can. You know, I think that's why you don't often see these Yeah, games. they can see us, or else they have enhanced vision, you know, where they can see... Well, like <laughs> Predator. I mean, who knows? You know, like the movie Predator. Look at the way that thing could see. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they they, you know, you you set up a game cam out in the woods, and this it's throwing out this. Uh, they the infrared light, which is the biggest joke in the world. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, of course, I think they can see it. And so do they're, I. They're not going to walk out into that. You know? That's why I use the cameras I have. They actually don't. It takes one star in the sky. I mean, that's all the, it takes. Because it, if it's black, black, you don't get a misconception. If I'm in a pure black room with no light, my cameras won't work. It's got to have, you know, a minute amount of light coming in from somewhere, you know. But it could be as little as one or two stars in the sky is all it takes. Yeah. Yeah, there always has to be some kind of light. But IR emitters, I'm a, I don't like IR emitters because if a bug flies in front of an IR emitter, it can really screw with you because it, you know, it, it gives a weird perspective because it's glowing bright white and you know it messes with people. Uh, what do you think about those rods that people see? Do you think that that could be because they're a lot? They're I, a lot of times caught on game. Camera. I have hundreds of videos of those things caught on that same camera that caught the UFO. And what do you uh, think? Think those are? I, I've actually talked to Jose about this. Uh, 
I know they are something. I mean, without sounding stupid. I mean, it's not a it's not a bug. I mean, my camera records at 480 frames per second. And if you're familiar with photography, you realize you know we don't have bugs that can do light speed. But what I th it, it could possibly be another life form, and I'm not talking outer space. It could be you know just a normal life form on this planet that we've never known about because it travels so fast, and it's only apparently an infrared, or it could be anything you know i don't know what to say but i mean i i'm not jumping on that it's it's aliens or spaceships i'm just saying that it definitely is a real thing it's just i don't have any idea what it is yeah if that, if that makes sense you know what i mean no no it you know it does make sense because we can't you know we don't know what these things are i mean they they've been tagged with a name you know people call them rods but right very very strange long and it looks almost like they have it looks like little wings that are circular. That, they, that the best I can tell from some of my videos, my free shots, is they're long cylinders, and they have like a wing type. I don't know how you describe it. On both sides, that run the length of the body. Yeah. And yeah. and they they fly like fish would swim, kind of. You know that. But I mean, I've got this. I'll have to send you some videos. I mean, I've got. I actually got so tired of looking at rod videos i quit saving them i have hundreds of them <laughs> all caught on that that so, bosch high-end camera so these obviously aren't a rare thing they're no just, not at all i mean the just, only thing i can say is if you if you want to do research you know you the listener and you know if you have a little bit of funding get i infrared equipment i can't stress it enough there is stuff in the infrared field that you would not believe and and you know, like you said, these things could just somehow exist, just outside of our sight, just just beyond what we can see. It, I mean, I'll send you some pictures of that. Uh, remind me, maybe drop me a note. I get, you know, we'll hang up with this phone call, and my mind gets erased. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I would like to see some of those. Yeah, I've got. I actually sent some to Jose. He's going to use them in his next movie, possibly, because him and I were talking about it off air too. Well, there's self-illuminating ones too have you heard of that no uh -uh. see I've got ones that glow you know like you see some of the video someone just posted one on your site you know off a game cam or something yeah that's like off of a game camera see yeah. I've got some like that glowing but you gotta remember my cameras aren't sending any light out right so for something to glow on a camera like that means it physically is glowing yeah no so, I want to see those I want to I want to take a look at some of those I've actually got my surveillance system set up here at my mother's house right now. Actually, I'm reviewing stuff because I have free time. I still, like I say, I haven't gone through all of Waverly yet. This thing will record for like eight months nonstop. Wow. And 16 channels for eight months and 480 frames per second. Wow. Now that's some review time there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll never do it in my you're lifetime. Gonna, you're going to have to get lots of volunteers to help you. Well, yeah, if anybody listening out there, I mean, I'm dead serious. <laughs> if you want to help go through pictures from Bachelors Grove, Waverly Hills, Villisca, I have pictures and videos, thousands of them. If you want to volunteer your time, I'll send you material and you can go through. And I'm dead serious. Any listener out there that wants to help me with this stuff, I'm just bat backlogged yuck, you wouldn't believe. Sounds like a good opportunity out there, folks. All right, thank you very much. Carl Jones, everybody, from Prairie Land Paranormal in Springfield, Illinois. We'll be right back. You're listening to Threshold Radio. Talk to, talk.
TheEdgeOnAir.com and Thresholds into Other Realms present Thresholds Radio, a weekly show dedicated to all things paranormal. Join your hosts Sam Moranto, John Stevenson, and Anthony Cop Fridays from 10 to 11 p.m. for an expedition beyond your most unexplainable dreams. With new guests every week, Thresholds Radio will bend your views on reality. That's Friday nights 10 to 11 on TheEdgeOnAir.com. For more info on Thresholds Radio, visit ufo Info.com. Welcome back to Thresholds into Other Realms. And with us now is our good old friend, Des Wisson. And Des, we had a problem with the audio last time. What did it sound like? Oh, hello there, yes. It's, the, the audio through Skype, when you um, talk to me on the landline here, it actually sounds like a, a herd of worms farting in a bucket of water. <laughs> <laughs> That is Funny thing beautiful. is, that's one of the settings on our equalizer. <laughs> <laughs> that is beautiful. We have the deluxe equalizer. <laughs> so have you been doing any bonnet fishing? <laughs> no, no, not recently, no. Okay. It's a great way to catch a fish, though. Yeah, it <laughs> certainly is. <laughs> well, John, uh, I, I, think, I don't know if I told you all the details, but we were swamped in the last week and a half. Actually, the last month with uh, UFO cases. And, and, of course, I gave poor Des more than his share of cases to investigate. And, and uh, we still have about, oh, maybe 40 more to field to investigators. Des, how are you coming along with yours? Oh, pretty good. Um Obviously, uh, it's taking its time to go through them all, and, uh, and a lot of the problem is communications. It's uh, finding the, the 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 right time to catch the witness that's convenient to them, as as well as to me, because obviously we're all busy. Um, but uh, making progress, which is great, and uh, there's a couple of interesting stories out there, none of which I can relate at the moment because my computer has taken a nosedive. Oh, well, bring Bummer. it to um, me. Yeah. But uh, I do. Yeah, you you have to know. Bring it up to here, Des. There's a reason for you to visit. I'm a computer technician. I'll fix it for you. Yeah. Okay, then. For some reason or other, um, I've been... Uh, I don't know how it happened. Uh, somebody might have got into the computer, but I can't get into the C drive. It says access denied. Mm. And, Ask um, Anthony about that. Fix it. <laughs> well, you've probably been messing around, and, and John, you may want to give a heads up to people out there about some of these new viruses showing up as daily uh, yeah as, as some sort of really worthwhile program that's you're supposed to update on your uh, computer and they're they're really just type of trojan horses aren't they worms of some sort or yeah they're that's just they're, right they're that's right worms yeah. in a bucket worms in a bucket <laughs> and they're do more doing more damage than farting i tell you there's a little more going on than flatulence going on here you know but you got to watch that. Um, well, we uh, ju- I just fixed the studio computer. Anthony had uh, thirty some viruses on it. <laughs> yeah. And what it did is it wow. it, it disabled uh, most of his C drive. It hit hit all his files. Anthrax to herpes. It had it all. So so he thought he lost wow. everything. In fact, it was only hidden. Yep. So you got to yeah, watch yeah, yourself. Sounds like I've got the same problem here because I can't actually access the C drive at all. I can't get into the MUFON files that I've got. Um, conspiracy theorists could easily say that I was I was hacked and um, stuff information stolen, and then they put a lock on my C drive. But you know, I don't know. Yep, it was, know it was the MIBs. On. Well, here, beyond your frustration, can you recall 
uh, some of the cases in particular? Sure. There's, there's a couple that um, I recently looked at. Um, uh, one of them was um, a well-publicized case uh, where an object was actually caught on a video, um, on a, sorry, cell phone camera bouncing off the atmosphere, came in, um, fiery ball, somebody got a good photograph of it, and then um, it was taken up by local uh, TV program and uh, news agencies. And um, there's a lot of uh, theories about that as opposed to uh, as to what it is. And then there were some other stories supposedly linked with it where uh, an area 30 miles away was blocked off by the military, etc. But um, I did some investigation, of, you know, just some rudimentary stuff, and found out that there was actually an asteroid called uh, 2011 OEC, I think, off the top of my head, that came very close to the Earth at about that time. It was, it was an 11-meter asteroid with, uh, um, I think it might have had some associated uh, debris with it, and a piece of the debris might have been light enough to be pulled in by the Earth's atmosphere. Earth's uh, gravity and bounced off the atmosphere. But that's a possibility. So, um, And it happened at around the same time that the photograph was taken. But uh, like I said, it's, it's all possibilities, and uh, we've got to keep an open mind. Yes. So, uh, now, um, for those of us who are not um, metrically uh, inclined, <laughs> how many uh, inches or feet would that be? Oh, uh, 11 meters? Yeah, 11 um, meters. It, it's got to be about, uh, yeah, about 35, 40 feet, maybe. That's what I was figuring about, 33, 35. Because it's about uh, 2.8, isn't it, uh, foot per meter? Or yes. what is it? Yeah, something like that. So you yeah. learn things on our show. Yeah, isn't that great? Now, <laughs> I'm opening up my Android converter, buddy. A <laughs> uh, funny thing about it, I don't know if it was that very same day or the very next day, uh, but it was also in and around that time that an object was seen flying over Tinley Park. And um, soon thereafter, there was a crash of something hitting an island in the Philippines causing a fire and a seismic registered event. So uh, I felt that was part of a, a asteroid or the larger chunk of that I believe same asteroid. Um, right, it, it's very possible mm -hmm. that uh, you know when when um, the space agencies pick up an asteroid, they I think there's a minimum size that they can actually pick up. I couldn't tell you what that is right now, but um, it doesn't mean to say there's not any associated lumps of rock with it. They're a lot smaller and uh, much more susceptible to Earth's gravity, and uh, can be pulled in whilst the uh, the bigger chunk just sails right on past. True. Well, according to what I recall, I think it was the size of a tennis ball is what uh, NORAD's capable to or able to monitor. Um, I don't right. know if they 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 would keep it that you know monitor something that small or not, but they're able to. Um, today, who knows? Uh, maybe more than might be smaller than that, but at least that's some indication. Now, as yeah. far as this last batch of cases we have coming in. We may take a group approach in analyzing them because there are just so many. We have, I think, 25 that came in within a three-day period in addition to the call-in. So we had everything from orbs to 
triangles to uh, another event that may very well have been uh, another um, asteroid uh, coming in close and uh, a few other things but uh, again we're busy as always and Des we always keep you uh, definitely <laughs> way more busy than most people <laughs> another one I looked at just the other day was um, a, a chap put in a report going up I-55 and um, he said there was four um, orange orbs going across I-55 it was at night time and he said that the last one was wavering around a little bit um, now he said he, he the, 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 a lot of people on the road on the, on the interstate saw it and so they started slowing down to look at these lights going across the road and uh, he said he had his window down but he couldn't hear any noises well i suppose if you're traveling at motorway speeds down the interstate with your window down you're not going to hear much it's that <laughs> rushing wind you know yes but, um again it's a very intriguing and um you know they, they were kind of just floating across the motorway there orange orbs and the last one was uh, was wavering around a little bit or oh, all i could think of maybe the uh, et inside must have had a touch of the old hooch <laughs> <laughs> or else it was a teenage et uh -huh. just learning how to drive the spaceship <laughs> yes did teenage they notice a driver's Newton. did they notice the driver training sign on top of it <laughs> you know the thing well, is well in england it would have a uh, cell plate <laughs> yes well we had so many of the uh, chinese lanterns this year we know to be chinese lanterns though um, I don't think you've ever seen the orange orb UFOs personally. I have, and there is a big no, difference. I haven't, no. And there is a big difference. The size of these things are are very big, and, um, yeah, and you know, they're stationary. I'm they could. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I've actually managed to get some um, photographs of um, a Chinese lantern balloon being launched during the day. Um, and it's quite impressive. It's, and, and once it's airborne, I mean, you cannot distinguish the fact that it is a Chinese lantern balloon. It's just a white object in the sky sailing along. Yes. And, uh, and they come in and multiple colors. That up pretty good. They come in multiple colors, and uh, they are illegal in the state of Illinois. Okay. And uh, I'm going to make sure the, uh, oh, yeah, I want to make sure some tickets go out to people. And uh, you know they are a they are a um, a danger to public safety, air safety, humanity, <laughs> uh, and they're pretty in the right locations at the right time. If you had them going over Lake Michigan uh, when there right. wasn't uh, you know not in a um, not when there is air traffic or you know there isn't going to be air traffic, and it's blowing in an easterly easterly direction over a large lake or something like that. Uh, you know that's that's fine. Put Sam him, just put hates Chinese lanterns. Oh, I just hate well, jerks putting. I don't them know up. What, what they ever did to him, but he just hates. Did those a lot things. to me. They they ruin uh, like did a lot to me. They and ruin ufology, man. It's well, the thing is, you have people hoaxing, and these these uh, impish twits that do that just need you know. Didn't we have him on the show? Impish twits. Yeah. <laughs> no, but we may get one of them on there. The. Um, these little peckers like to just <laughs> cause on problems. the show too. I think the same. The one. other problem is they it's it's theft of service and, and resource. They tie up the nine eleven the the nine one one 
uh, phones. They have police running around fire departments uh, on call. FAA having to reroute uh, planes. They ever think uh, of just sniper rifles? Sniper rifles? Yeah, shoot the damn things. <laughs> <laughs> then he got lead flying through the air. The, the whole idea is it's a waste of resource, and it's a danger, and it is an incendiary. And uh, if you go on YouTube and see some of the uh, – what I, what I enjoy is showing these impish twits uh, say, well, here, this is what could happen. They have um, – Chinese lantern disasters. You could see what some of these drunken <laughs> uh, meatballs and buzz baits do. And, they fill it um, with ma- yeah. napalm. <laughs> yeah, these things catch on fire, come down, and you could burn out. And I'm sure there have been fires and many different things that haven't been accountable to, but, but, but have been the source of uh, some disasters. So I think it's about time to start uh, finding these people and, uh, you know, Enough of this crap. I'm tired of it. I've never yeah. seen a Chinese. I'm with you there, Sam. This is it's kind of a time waster for everybody. But and unfortunately, we can't just dismiss stuff straight away as that being Chinese landers because you never know. You've got to really look. Oh at no, it and we investigate don't. It. We investigate it. That's why you need a you sniper know. rifle. Yeah. And uh, people. <laughs> oh no. The other thing is, on our our cases, all of them are going to have to start signing affidavits of truth. If they're hoaxing us, guess what? We could sue them. Simple as that. Right. We'll send them a bill for a thousand dollars. That's a waste of you know, time. It's I a waste keep, of time. I That's it. To think, I just keep trying to think of that film that I saw, and I can't remember. Maybe you can. Uh, where the great one-liner is, "Do not fire your weapons at the space aliens." <laughs> 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 I don't know what that was. <laughs> I like that. Oh, I forgot. Do you remember? What it was they saying? might fire back. They might fire back. Yeah. Well. Every time I think of firing weapons at space aliens, I think of uh, uh, Sean up there in Wisconsin. Shines a little laser and they shoot something Yeah, they back shot one right back at him and he says, Sam, did you ever <laughs> piano a, his wife uh, could see a an electric fence? And well, tell you what, his wife was able to see right through him. <laughs> it's like you see on yeah. a cartoon. <laughs> and he says, it felt like I just peed on an electric fence. I'm like, oh, Moral no. of that story is never shine a laser at <laughs> yeah. the UFO. Don't do it. And, and definitely another, don't uh, shoot at him. Another case that I'm looking at, too, is where uh, some chap had seen, he was star-watching one night, and he saw some uh, lights go across the top of his house, but they were very high up, one after another, maybe three of them. And um, the, the thing was, is they, they weren't following any normal uh, flight line for the aircraft that normally goes across his house. Mm. And um, certainly the satellites uh, weren't going that way. They were brighter than the satellites, but still quite high. So I looked for the date and time for uh, NASA and the satellite orbital tracks for anything that would be along that time of night, and I couldn't find anything. So that sounds to me like there was definite anomaly there. Yes. Uh, all very interesting, but uh, again, I, I haven't actually had a chance to go into that in any great depth because my computer is um, oh, at the mercy of a All right, well, thanks for calling, Des. Des Wiston, everybody, we'll be right back. You're listening to Thresholds into Other Realms.
TheEdgeOnAir.com and Thresholds into Other Realms present Thresholds Radio, a weekly show dedicated to all things paranormal. Join your hosts Sam Moranto, John Stevenson, and Anthony Cop Fridays from 10 to 11 p.m. for an expedition beyond your most unexplainable dreams. With new guests every week, Thresholds Radio will bend your views on reality. That's Friday nights 10 to 11 on TheEdgeOnAir.com. For more info on Thresholds Radio, visit ufo Info.com. Welcome back to Thresholds and Other Realms, and with us we have our special guest Suzanne Taylor, who's going to be a regular now with a new segment called Outside the Box. How are you doing, Suzanne? I'm doing fine. I'm actually excited about a whole new platform to deliver on. Yeah, oh, and I didn't mention the Crop Circle Queen. I'm sorry. Yes, that is my moniker all over the place. And yes, and I've posted that on Facebook. Ever. I told you. I told people they must pay homage to the Crop Circle Queen. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Do you want to explain the concept of this new little segment we're going to start doing with you? Well, you know, I have been um, working with Crop Circles for actually decades now, and I have uh, a movie, What on Earth, Inside the Crop Circle Mystery, that uh, I've been going on a lot of radio shows and talking about and hearing on various conference things. So my movie is um, juicy and and uh, effective at waking people up to some idea that uh, this little reality we're in here is not all there is to, to, to the universe and that there is other intelligence in the universe and getting us out of our small-mindedness in which we're so violent with one another and destructive to the planet and just opening our minds to a, a bigger reality. So the crop circles have been my platform for doing that uh, for the last uh, year and a half, and um, and even before that, I've been you know part of that crop circle world for decades now. Uh, but you know, it, really, my interest isn't in the crop circles. My interest is in what they represent. Uh, that we are in a much larger game than we uh, acknowledge or. Uh, live by and, 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 you know, make our, our, our reality, uh, up by. God, that's kind of a convoluted sentence. But, uh, so, so, uh, now we're going to go moving out into things other than crop circles that also are, as we're calling this segment, outside the box, uh, that make you think beyond the little narrow confines of what we sometimes called scientism. Science runs our world. Right. can't put it under a That's microscope. That's the idea of our entire show. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, this is the trap that we're in, and that there's so much contradiction to, uh, and yet we still, you know, run our world based on this smaller viewpoint. So what I'm going to be doing here in this segment is bringing you different sorts of things that really, in some sense, by our definition of reality, can't be, but they are. Um, I think of it as kind of a uh, complement or parallel or, or, I guess, parallel or, I I don't quite know what the right words are, but to this ancient alien series on uh, TV now that I'm actually in, Mm -hmm. uh, in the crop circle segment, I'm a crop circle expert. Uh, but they're talking generally. In fact, it was unusual they had a crop circle segment because crop circles are happening now. What Ancient Aliens is all about, other than that, uh, is kinds of things that uh, we have to puzzle over that are left here on Earth, like pyramids, obviously, and 
things like Stonehenge and where did they come from and we didn't have technology back then so they're puzzling over where the ancient things came from but what I'll be talking about is things that are with us now uh, both things that happen in my world uh, friends of mine happen to me and also things that uh, I I'm just a snoop for this sort of thing so um, things that are happening uh, that that have been reported and um, not 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 sketchy things, uh, things that are for real that everybody accepts are have happened but can't explain. Just news so, of the weird, unusual, right? <laughs> news of the weird, right? That's what one of my friends suggested I call that. And everybody said, well, that's not serious enough. Well, okay. Uh, so we're very serious. But, you know, we like to entertain ourselves also. And so these are things to scratch your head over, uh, but to scratch your head to open your mind. Right. Gosh, there's a, there's a line. We should remember that one. Scratch your head to open your mind. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, like, how can these things be? Because, you know, the rationale for all of it or the reason for all of it and the reason I'm interested in the circles is because we really need to change the way we think. Um, and it's no secret now that we're in big trouble. We're in trouble uh, from natural causes, oil depletion, things like that, and we're in trouble from the things that cause ourselves, the wars. I mean, why are we still doing such a primitive thing when we're so sophisticated technologically? Uh, and because we're so sophisticated, uh, unless we have um, a, a, an understanding of uh, a, a world, unless we have a worldview that's not based on... Um, money, where the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, where we have some kind of larger perspective in which we see ourselves as one humanity, in which we have compassion as a you know, kind of overriding principle rather than greed, um, we stand some danger of, of destroying ourselves. I mean, species have come and gone, and there's no, you know, no saying we're going to last forever, and conceivably at our own hands... You know, there's nothing we can do if another ice age comes along, but, although, of course, we may be encouraging that. Well, that could happen, uh, too, the way things are going, but it does look like we're actually going to end up wiping ourselves out. Well, there's definitely a danger of that. It's not uh, just idle chatter anymore. And so, you know, sometimes I get this image of some horrible thing happening that we've caused, you know, some hydrogen chain reaction explosion and half the world blows up and then we go oh my god why didn't we get rid of those things why why how did we do this we saw it potentially coming and you know so my whole uh perspective for many years actually has been uh can't we find some non-violent way to shake ourselves up but not shock and awe in a nonviolent way, something that, and that's why I, that's why I tuned into the crop school, because if we would accept the fact that we're not making them, and the evidence all points to that, but if we would accept the fact that we're not making them, that would be the shock and awe in a positive way that would really get us all to think again. Who exactly. are we? What are we doing here? What? Oh, we're in relation to something bigger than ourselves. It would humble us. And it would make us one humanity in a kind of a worldwide uh, curiosity and conversation about, oh, we're, we're being visited. Who are they? Uh, what shall we do? And all of humanity would be in this gorgeous, peaceful conversation. 
Um, so, um, well, you know, so, so much for the sort of background of the segment, uh, which is all about what um, is taking off from crop circles as my sort of main squeeze over the last period of time as a kind of well, vehicle. Thus your name, the Crap Circle Queen, too, of course. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> uh, so so I, I really love having this um, expertise, you might say. Uh, it grounds me in absolutely knowing that there is more to reality than most of us accept and that um, it's worth really devoting all my energy to uh, engaging with uh, the world and trying to open everybody's mind to this uh, other level, uh, you know, just very valuable to absolutely know something. And I stand on this knowing that these crop circles are not being made by us other than, of course, the ones that are hooked. But right. we have a real phenomenon here. So, um, it, you know, my, my platform of certainty from... Uh, I then look at the rest of the world, but I've always been interested in kinds of things that don't fit in with ordinary reality. And in fact, um, my blog, which is called conversation.org, I frequently speak about. And in fact, on this show, I'll bring up, you know, we'll deal with some of the things that I post. Because whenever I find something that'll shake people up and that'll make people think, well, how can that be? But there it is. Um, I'm fascinated by those things. Uh, so and, am I. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm a real snoop for that kind of stuff. And uh, and it doesn't have to happen, you know, just in the outside world. It happens around me. And the thing that I thought I would start with, uh, as probably all of us, you know, I wonder if you ask every person, uh, has anything ever happened to you that's possible? Actually, that's a good question, you know. I think maybe I'll start using that in my just everyday reality. Well, it's true, too. Uh, as We've all had those moments second. where something happens and you're like, well, that just can't happen, but <laughs> but yet it did. Right. <laughs> right. So I think maybe I'll, I'll become an even greater snoop for that and intentionally collect those things and then speculate about, well, how can that be and what does it indicate? And, um, you know, these aren't... Uh, the purpose of all of this isn't just to, uh, you know, entertain us and um, and make us, uh, well, well, what do you know? But to really make us think, right. how can these things be? You know, because we really do have to rethink the entire worldview that we're stuck in here. So, so I wanted to start, actually, with something that did happen directly to me. It's my experience. There you go. And, uh, really, so I thought that would be a good beginning. Um, so here's my story. Um I used to entertain, uh, and I say used to because he comes to the United States a lot and he hasn't lately, um, uh, an Italian man named Giorgio Cerquetti. Well, he he's the Italian Mr. New Age. He's into everything over there. And um, so he was involved with um, producing a conference uh, he wasn't actually producing it, but because he's this guy who gets his fingers into everything, they, his fingers were into this conference, being produced by um, a group in Italy. I believe the name of it is ASCI, A-S-C-I. I think it's a magazine, and it's basically about astrology. But they were producing a conference that uh, was about everything uh, that 
you know, sort of off charts. And he invited me to come to Italy. This is the background of the story, because the story actually happens in my own house in L.A., but I'm telling you who Giorgio is. So he invited me. Uh, my house has been a kind of a gathering place in Los Angeles for uh, progressive people, um, people who think outside the box. And for years, uh, I've had guests in here. I've had a little salon uh, for for years, where the most interesting people who come through LA end up in my in my house, in my living room, and then uh, everybody's very happy to be on my guest list. Uh, you, you know, being on Suzanne Taylor's guest list is a high, you know, good in Los Angeles. <laughs> so, so Giorgio, having visited uh, several times and being my house guest here several times, got to observe my world here. And when he was involved in this conference. There was a slot that they needed to fill called, um, um, what's the name of it? Oh, I should have the name of it on the my time. The Future of the New Age, that's what it was. Oh, okay. And so he said to me, Suzanne, if anybody would know the future of the New Age, it has to be you. So I want to bring you over to Italy, which they did. They paid all my expenses. It was really quite wonderful. Uh, and, um, so, that's a little, just a little background on my relationship with Giorgio. But he is quite a character. Uh, he, uh, so this story involves one of his visits to L.A. Now, one of the things that I was doing with Giorgio, the, who has his, you know, Snoopy fingers in many, uh, realities in Italy, uh, one of the things that Giorgio does is he finds books in English and has them translated into Italian. And New Age is this category, mm-hmm. loosely speaking. You know what I'm speaking about, all these new things, different things that you know are part of our world now. And so whenever he would come to L.A., he would you know, go into my case or whatever, ask me, what do I think, what kind of book, which, what books would, he, would I recommend? And many, he, there are many books now in Italian because I recommended them to Giorgio. Huh. Um, so... So, uh, he, so he, now he walks into my house. This is a, a visit that he's making to me. And he walks in with his, now you have to get this picture. Giorgio is a short, um, little bit paunchy, um, middle-aged Italian guy. Um, <laughs> uh, but full of pep and vinegar and, and, and energy. And he walks into my house with, his ex-wife, a tall, willowy blonde Italian, uh, you know, kind of most Italians, I think, are, are, are have dark hair. Well, this, some Italians are blonde and, you know, yeah. that, that sort of whatever. But that would be Giorgio. He would, he would be married to a tall, willowy blonde, which <laughs> he was. So, so, but now it's his ex-wife, but they're still friendly. Uh, so... They walk into the house. They're, the next day, they're going to go to the airport and pick up his current girlfriend, another tall, willowy blonde. So all of this is background to what happens when he walks into my door. So he walks into my door with Julia, his ex-tall, willowy blonde. And she has a briefcase in her hand in which um, she has books. She's, she's a translator. She speaks Italian and English fluently. And one of the things you know she does in life is she translates these books that Giorgio uh, provides for her, some of which he gets from me. Okay. So they walk in my door, and you know, one of the first things he always asks me is, "Got any? what do you recommend in the way of books? 
So I have a bookshelf um, with all of my friends' books. And so I walk over to the bookshelf, and I'm looking at the books, and I'm, you know, I think this book would be great in Italian. I think this would appeal to the Italian market. It's by a very good friend of mine um, named Daphne. And um, so Daphne Kingma, Daphne Rose Kingma. Daphne has been on Oprah show several times. Uh, she writes books about relationship and about love. Um, and so her latest book, which hardcover, one of the main publishers put out this book, called The Men We Never Knew. And I'm thinking, oh, this, this, this would be a really good book. And I pull it out of the case, and I, okay, what do you think about this one, Giorgio? And guess what is in Julia's briefcase that she is in the middle of translating? That, that book? <laughs> I kid you not, that book. <laughs> what are the odds of that? What are the, well, I'll tell you. I went online to look up some odds, and... The one odds figure that I pulled up was that in 2009, which is the last year for which there were statistics of how many new books there were that had come on the market, 288,355 new books that had come on the market. That doesn't include 2008, 2007. Um, I'm not sure if I was in the current year for Julia, but you get the idea. Yeah. We're well, out of that many, what are the coincidence odds that I'm going to put my finger, my hand, on the very book that is in Julia's briefcase? Well, what, I mean, it's not possible. How could this possibly be? Well, I asked my friend, Russell Carr, what he thought about that. And Russell Carr is somebody who... Uh, has books. Uh, Russell was the head of SRI, Stanford Research Institute, 20-year program the CIA had about remote viewing. He's oh, the big yes. remote viewing guy. And um, he um, is has done many experiments uh, in paranormal sort of things. Yuri Geller was one of his subjects that he did a lot of fascinating experiments with. Another segment, we'll talk about some of the experiments he did with Yuri Geller, which will blow your mind. Oh, okay. But, um, so, so Russell, you know, and Russell will come up with things like how you can, statistically, when they do experiments, you know the future. Well, you can't know the future. Wait a minute. These experiments show you do know the future. So I said, Russell, what could this be? Well, I'm not going to tell you that Russell came up with a uh, conclusion. And um, and did I say that actually, you know, it's kind of fun to ask Russell because some of his books uh, were books, a couple of them that I gave to Giorgio, who he did translate. Yeah. And not only that, but he brought Russell over to Italy a couple times to do workshops. So that was very nice. I made that connection for them. So I thought, oh, Russell, perfect person to ask about what is this thing with this book with Daphne and Giorgio. So, so he said, well, let's see. First of all, let's let's reduce the the odds. He said, um, there's what books you would logically be giving Giorgio a new age book. So when you're talking about, let's just presume it was that year, and I think it was. I think that was a new book that came okay. out that year. So we're talking about approximately 300,000 new books. <laughs> How many of them would categorize as new age? 
I don't know the answer, by the way, because I can't <laughs> but, but whatever it is, you've still got, you know, huge numbers, thousands. I said, well, Russell, great. But, you know, so reduce it to 50,000. <laughs> you know, how, what's the, how come I pulled out that one book out of whatever, 50,000? And he said, well, now we would get into the realms of um, salt and the uh, common, the, the reading of mind. Right, that's so what I was going to say. So knows, Julia, Julia knows she has that book in her briefcase. So in the mental arena, that the, 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 the electrons are floating around. Julia knows that. So I go over to the case. But wait a minute. These are my friend's books. I may maybe have 30 books in the bookcase. Mm-hmm. How come I had that book that was in Julia's briefcase? Even if it's in her briefcase, and now I go over to my bookshelf, and I know which book pull out how come i she has that book and i have that book well i don't know we couldn't get past that do you have any i mean you're a snoop out there in the metaphysical world that's actually do you have tr- any ideas that's true because i was going to say you she might have thought book when you said book but the odds of you having that particular book she had exactly that's just... exactly that, I, well, I can't actually explain that part of it. <laughs> I know. And yet at some level, there has to be something going on more than coincidence. Don't you think? Oh, I, I yeah. Mean, how, Things happen for I mean, reasons. I don't know what it is. I, I, I can't get my mind beyond it. I mean, because... I do know... No, I was going to say, the first part of that, you know, you said you were going to look for a book... She probably was thinking books, and you probably just pulled it out of her head, whether you knew it or not. But, you know. Well, that's what Russell is suggesting. He's suggesting that once she had that book in her briefcase, she's thinking that book, and I go to my case and I pull out that book, which explains at some level. Well, yeah, but a know, very small level. I mean. But a small level, right. Um, I think about the fact that at that level, at least, we have discovered in. Uh, what we now understand about quantum reality, that if a couple of electrons are connected in a physical way and then you somehow separate them, this is the science world that I hopefully am not doing terrible injustice to, (laughs) but somehow you separate those electrons and you put one of them on the other side of the world, they still have a relationship. One of them uh, will impact the other one. So this is this whole interconnectedness that we live in, which, you know, hopefully will be the seed of establishing ourselves as passionate humanity, where our interconnectedness is how we operate rather than our doggy doggedness, you know. Right, well, this is indeed, you know, what science is establishing for us, and thank God, you know, science is our God these days, so good that they get, they get into these things that are uh, really stretching the parameters of science these days, which is, you know, very fortunate. Uh, but I still, you know, just marvel at this. I, I think about this incident a lot. It happened a few years ago, and I think, how could this be? What, what, what accounts for this? And, you know, then we would also be um, probably uh, dealing in this, the synchronicities in life that Jung was so, um, you know, interested in, 
and how these odd things that, you know, just can't be um, come to pass. And these are the kinds of things that, you know, we'll actually be talking about uh, in, in the segments to come. Uh, and also, you know, your listeners are uh, contain, uh, include some pretty savvy people. So I would also invite the um, uh, responses or ideas or whatever from your listening audience uh, and maybe we all can get smarter, you know, use each other. That would be and, ideal. Um, I know they've, we've all had these odd things happen, but I've got to admit that one you just talked about, it's got my mind reeling right now. I'm trying oh, to figure goodness. out a logical reason for that. <laughs> I know, it is just so beyond the beyond, really. <laughs> really. So a- anyway, and, and, and you know, another good thing, even when we don't know the explanation and can um totally, uh, you know, wrap up a little case here with a solution, you know. But even the fact that uh, we live in a universe that is so awesome and can really uh, contain these inexplicable kinds of things is really good for us to kind of rest in, uh, rather than the sense of arrogance and certainty that we're the big cheese and we know everything and... Uh, you know, that leads us into such really, um, you know, uh, arrogant behavior, uh, which is, you know, at the root of all kind of violence that we create in our world. It's just unbelievable to me that we still make war. Uh, how can we do this? How can we send people to kill each other? I, it's just it's unthinkable. It, it, you know, in some future time, they're going to look back on that like slavery. How could people do that, enslave each other? Uh, how can we kill each other legally and, you know, as, as a methodology? Oh, I mean, it's just it's just beyond me. I mean, it makes, That's why it makes I think me the alien races out there that want to make contact with us are having second thoughts. That's why they haven't done it. They're like, these people are barbarians. Do we really want to include them? <laughs> well, indeed, you know, the, it's kind of an answer to why don't they land on the White House lawn. That's a UFO kind of question. Or why don't they make a crop circle on the White House lawn? Um, but why don't they land on the White House lawn? Well, we probably shoot them. I mean, we're not prepared for this. It's all science fiction. We're not. And that's why I love the circles, because from the circles, you really can ascertain without that kind of um, uh, harsh uh, confrontation with the other um, you really can ascertain that there is another. And so once you have accepted that, I mean, if the world accepts that, if contacts were in headlines and we've established it via the crop circles, we haven't shaken anybody's hand, but we know that we are being uh, engaged and we're being um, left messages and that there is other intelligence in the universe. And once we have an opening to accept that, then... Well, maybe they could land on the White House lawn. What would they give us? What would they deliver? Whereby, if we're not, if we're resistant to them and 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 uh, we ridicule them and we mock them and and how are they going to help us? You know, yeah. we 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 got our we've got our door shut. You know, but once we open our door, whoa, what would what would come in? You know, so I like. Uh, working toward that goal of and and then these things that are beyond us that can't be um random i mean it's just, it's, something's going on where that book 
was in her briefcase, and I pulled it out of my uh, case. Oh, I know. Something <laughs> is bigger than we are, bigger than our, even our, 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 our very, well, that, very... That's one of those uh, ones this, we're not going to find an explanation for, because there isn't one. <laughs> well, we just have to open our minds to there being much more going on than our objective uh, science can define for us. And it's just good for us to have that open mindset because that's where other things can come in that, um, you know, that, that we would be um, receptive to. Uh, right. Witness crop circles and this vast intelligence that's they're visiting us. We're not visiting them. How much could we learn from them about what's going on in the universe and how did they do it? And, uh, you know, how can we deal with global warming they must know things we don't know so it's very good for us to have our minds blown so outside the box we'll continually be deliver mind-blowing uh realities even if we can't explain them just opening our mind to this bigger reality is just so good for us so i hope that we'll be able to do that and, and this is going to be kind of my new platform going beyond the circles which um, fortunately, you know, get gives me a platform. Right. But, you know, I'm going to be I'm going to be the 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 news of the weird lady, outside the box reality lady. And hopefully, uh, we can get the audience to uh, join in a bit. It's kind of hard to do sometimes, but hopefully, they'll write in or call in and tell us their stories because everyone's got this kind of stuff. Yes, that would be quite wonderful to to actually um, hear those things. You know, the crop circle world is pretty good. And uh, there's one website, CropCircleConnector.com, that your audience could get on even now. Um, and the, whatever the current year is, our, our, our circle's over for this year. They came in in the, in the spring, summer, and not, not so much fall, but spring and summer. Um, uh, and you can still see all the ones that came in in 2011 without paying a fee. You pay a little fee if you want to uh-huh. get to the archive. But, uh, but each, each circle gets paid. And then there are experts in different fields that are really plugged into this phenomenon, and they'll send in their, hey, I saw a formula for such and such in that circle, or, oh, look, the meaning of that is, look, at they're pointing to 2012 by the way these symbols are, you know, whatever. People who, who know things from different uh, sophisticated fields of endeavor do send in um, uh, their... their um, kind of deciphering, you know, of, of in those circles. So your listeners, you know, who, who both who have had experiences, which would be interesting to hear about, but also who might have some expertise in um, the far-out kind of understandings that maybe they could offer, um, and, you know, that would will build a body of knowledge here, hopefully. So yeah, many good possibilities here. I really look forward to all of You know, what I think of, of right offhand as you're talking is... Uh, You've probably done this. A lot of us have. Uh, pick up the phone and actually already know who's on it before you answer. Have you had that happen to yourself? Those are those kinds of things as well. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> that's uh, we, kind of a everyday one, you know. Right. Yeah. That and that's something that people don't realize it happens. But think about that logically. You know, how do you know that person is there with their mind? You hear them. I I went so far as I used to when I was younger. I would pick up the phone before it rang and knew who it was, which used to, to blow people's ah, minds. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's the kind of stuff that, that Russell Targ has experiments about, you know, um, and that proves that these 
kinds of things really occur, you know, that they do occur. So right. now, now what, you know? Yeah, some, when he gets some free time down the line, I know he's, he's busy, I'd love to actually talk with him because I got some questions. Like when I, I pick up the phone before it rings, in my head right. I can see the person dialing me. That's how I get it. I'd, I'd love to know if that's something other people have experienced. Wow, well, that sounds quite impressive. That does sound like beyond what, you know, there are people who do, you do hear, you know, that kind of idea. I know who's on the phone before I pick it up, but you can see them dialing. I think you've taken it a step further. Hey, maybe you're the maybe you're the big key psychic out there. <laughs> you know, the thing is like that, I can do those kind of things, but I can't control them. You know, they happen, but if I try to make them happen, right. and I can't. Right. It's one of those. Right. Well, right, but but the fact that you know that that has happened to you, so you've got that little anchor in reality that says, wait a minute, you know, I know something that goes on outside the ordinary, yeah. uh, conventional, well, you know, I'll tell you, the cool thing about, about that possible. is when, when you're with people, and all of a sudden you reach over, I used to just reach over, pick up the phone, and start talking, and I'd hang up, and they're like, you know that never rang. And I'd be like, huh? <laughs> I, I, you know, and people would point it out to me. I love it. You could do this segment. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, when I was right. younger. But that's perfect. I, I think when you're younger, you have more, you're more receptible than you are when you get older, because I've lost things as I've aged. Well, yeah, there's a lot of literature or whatever about how open children are, and then parents shut them down by saying, no, no, your imaginary friend is not real or whatever, you know. Anyway, it is a world, a world beyond the world we live in, uh, outside the box, and so this will be our little chat uh, every once in a while. And yeah, This will be uh, our first have, one, and the next ones will be more direct into the, the strangeness. We don't have to right, explain well, we'll, the we won't, we won't do this huge, <laughs> Yeah, we won't do this huge setup each time, but... Um, I, I love thinking about these things, so hopefully we'll get the whole world thinking. <laughs> That'd be great. Well, Suzanne, it was great talking to you, and like we'll talk again next week, and we'll see what kind of odd, outside-the-box things happen to you. Okay, looking forward to it. All right, that was Suzanne Taylor with Outside the Box. Thanks for listening tonight. We'll be back next week. See you later. You can listen to Threshold Radio.